listening to the bomb hole. Bomb hole podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the bomb going to slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. All right. We are back in the booth here at the bomb hole, which is presented by Pub Beer. Now, you guys already know how we start this thing off. Stony Buds, how are we doing today? So good, my dog. Love that. Always. Every time. To my left, we got DCP in the booth. DCP, how are we doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me here. We are Stone happy. We're happy that you're back in the booth because this isn't your first time from what I understand. Yeah, it's a rebate session. <laughs> I was in February. What happened round one? Uh, we had a great conversation, great time. <laughs> Drove up to Canada, and then uh, I think something happened with the tape, so with the recording button or something. Yep, yeah. Uh, we're doing another podcast because I basically uh, took the cards out of the cameras and audio and then put them on my desk and then came back, recorded a podcast a few days. Days put later, them, put them right back in. Put again. them right back in and format them. <laughs> never dump, never dump the cards. So we're, shit uh, happens. We're doing it, and uh, I was basically on suicide watch. So I'm sorry, and <laughs> David, thank you for being so chill. We really appreciate that. Oh no problem, man. I'm so glad I'm actually get the chance to come back here and hang out with you guys. And uh, you know, things happen. I mean, it's like life. Life just happens. Just yep. deal with that. Everything happens for a reason too. So this conversation will be just that much better. Absolutely. You know, I want to talk about his chillness. This is the thing he said. I go, all right, we'll try to make sure you don't have to come back again. I'm going to I'm gonna make sure I dump the cards this time. David, I'm sorry. He's like, it's all good. If I have to come back for a third time, I will. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, truly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and your story has developed uh, quite significantly since the last time you were here, right? Yeah, you could say that. Absolutely. There's been quite a bit of uh, challenges and growth and whatever you want to call that. I think we should start with that. All right. Well, yeah, last time I was here in February, I was on a snowboarding trip and um, started driving up to Canada and had some great time in Whistler and Mount Baker right before that. Ended up going to Revelstoke, uh, flying with Eagle Pass, steadyboarding, and, um, and Dustin Craven and Jeff Belshot, a few other cats, and... It was uh, it was really fun. We were set up to have three day of boarding, and we're filming, and the conditions are prime, and so we were warming up. You know, we were on day three of our early trip last day. Uh, me and Dustin are flying, and you know, wanting to step up to some bigger lines, and and he's training to. Well, he was already he had won the bald face thing. We didn't know. He didn't tell us, but he was on his way to Alaska, so he wanted to ride a few bigger spine and get ready and i was very happy to be with him in the heli and shred with him i uh, was so confident and it was so great so you know we we did our thing and you know did some sweet lines and then on the last line obviously the last line um i just took a wrong turn and on top of this slope and um started just as i kind of like got onto the the top of the run i was supposed to be maybe 50 feet to the right to the rider's right and realized that it was rocks and ice all the way down the spine where I was not wanting to be. And I tried to adjust and, you know, kind of clip the nose of my board on rocks or ice and started tumbling down. And at that point, there was no stopping. So I just kind of went for it and I held on to my head and 
Um, and at some point, I, I felt pain on my elbow, and it shot to my fingers, and I was like, oh, shit, I broke my elbow. And I got to the bottom, sloughs, you know, coming down, and I was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'll be fine. And uh, I just wrote to my goggles that I lost and wrote to LZ to get picked up. And I, was, I reached out to the radio. I was like, hey, I broke my elbow. Come pick me up. We need to go down. I'm done. And then I felt a little weird. And then they put me in a, with a collar. And they're like, let's just make sure that, you know, let's take you down. Let's go straight to the hospital, get you x-rayed and check it out. And then next thing I know, I'm sitting there in Revelstoke Hospital. The doctor rose up, like, good news, your elbow's not broken. I'm like, yes, but C6 is shattered. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. So then they're like, now don't move. We're going to take you in the ambulance to Kamloops. And then we did a CT scan, and then it was, it was like a couple of vertebrae shattered and dislocation and just kind of like, I wouldn't say the worst case scenario. It was the best case scenario for what, um, for what happened. That could have been a lot worse. Um, so, yeah, so I ended up breaking my neck. You were able to snowboard down to the landing zone with a broken neck? Yeah. Sketchy, huh? Yeah, I didn't know it was broken. One wrong move, and it probably could have been bad. Yeah, because there was a four-millimeter dislocation. Um, they say around five or six millimeter, it could be paralysis. Or so you're a millimeter away Yeah, from, like, the worst. The worst case. Worst yeah, case. And, um, obviously, it's not... I. The pain was here because ner- the nerve goes through here and then it shut uh, kind of like crazy electric signal in these fingers. Oh, so you never actually did anything to your elbow? No. Crazy. It was all here, but it's just the response of the nerve system. That's like C7, C6, C5, like if it's in relation. And so I could feel it in all that, you know. And uh, and so, yeah, I, got, I ended up getting surgery and spending you know, 90 hours to wait for surgery before it happened in bed. And I kind of like um, just laying down there, practicing some meditation, breathing. I had nothing else I could do. I was just like, okay, what am I going to do now? Um, called a friend. He played some music for me over the phone. Talked to Megan. And then, um, yeah, that happened. And then I had two weeks of at my friend Paul Watt. He came to pick me up. And... uh we were in Squamish, just kind of like settling in into this, um, just relaxing and, you know, kind of wondering like, okay, well, that happened. <laughs> no, what, you know? Um, and then and then I just made it back to Costa Rica after that, meet up with my family and the day I could fly two weeks after surgery. And, and it's been such a great place for healing. Um, very grateful for that and for everybody that helped me and the doctors, nurses and Everybody at Eagle Pass for their reaction. And, you know, it was just like at the end, it was like it's, uh, it was a big challenge, big thing. But um, I was so grateful for the experience because it taught me a lot, truly. And, um, you know, now I'm, I'm here and I'm fine. So, Can you specifically elaborate on what it taught you? What did it tell me? Yeah, what, what did it teach you? Teach yeah. you. Yeah, okay. So, um, well, it teach me that, you know, First of all, I feel like you sometimes underestimate your body and your own ability to heal. Um, it taught me that through different practices and different mindset, especially you can heal yourself and you can fast track your healing. 
So I learned a lot of that uh, through like, uh, I like Dr. Joe Dispenza. That's kind of, he became the guy that I looked up to. Um, just kind of like the power of positive thinking in, in, in terms of manifesting your healing, like picturing, I was picturing my spine getting healed up and, you know, perfectly healing and the muscles around it and then the, everything else and the movement and then what I will end up doing afterwards. And that was like a daily practice. Also, I learned that, um, you know, yoga is good for me. I always kind of did it um, more as a exercise and more as a stretching routine. Uh, but I feel like I learned that the connection that you have with your body and your spirit and your soul through breathing, especially that's like the base of yoga is connecting with your breathing. That helped me a lot um, through the whole process of healing, starting when I couldn't even move. Just just tuning in with breathing, that taught me that a lot. That's very important. It works for me. Um, and then, um, I, you know, this whole thing taught me that to nothing, take anything for granted. You know, the love you have from your family, the love you have from your friends, the love you have for them, but also all the experiences and achievements that you've had in the past, that's happened. But you can't acknowledge them, but then you can't, you know, you, you taught me not to live in the past, but just like be really in the present moment because that's all you got. That's all. The only thing that's real is like what's happening like right now. And so that put me back into that space a lot because I needed to focus on me right now. That'd be like, well, if I didn't take that last run, I should, I would have been fine or oh, like be angry about my decisions or, or whatever. So, and I, it became a practice, obviously, like it's life happens, right? So it keeps happening. And then you just, it's just a reminder every time it happens, like, well, I almost died, almost was paralyzed. And here I am right now, I can do it. So like, just enjoy that moment. And, you know, whatever else is just, you know, I was just grateful, grateful that um, to have been given a a second chance, I guess, at life because now I can, you know, kind of do it the, like in a better way and try to like get better and help people and help myself. And, you know, that's pretty much what it teach me mostly. So are you saying if you sit there and like try to go through all the ways to make it not happen, like I shouldn't have taken that run, I could have been done early, that's almost like deniability or... Lack of acceptance. Lack, lack of acceptance, I guess, and that's just a bad path to go down. You're getting to accept it, move forward. I mean, for me... Life happened. Yeah, for me, that's that's kind of like, yeah, because when you, you know, you're thinking positively about, about your present moment, then your future becomes a positive outcome. Uh. You know, that's kind of like how it works for me, and, and, um, and so... Reversely, like if I'm thinking, if I'm fearful of what, or like angry, or you know, have those other type of feelings that are not the same, I guess, vibration vibe, like the bad vibes, then that carries on, you know, into your the mood that you're in right now, and then into your future. And so for me right now, it's like I'd rather just be positive and and not think about the past that the bad things that happen. 
And if I'm going to remember anything about the past, I might as well remember the good memories, not the bad ones. So that's what I choose. And that's, that's awesome. I love it. Well, let's let's get into the let's get into the past. Uh, let's talk about your <laughs> your good good past memories. Exactly. Um, because we're here to to talk about that, and it's it's wild. Before we get into that, it's just kind of wild also to think about that bail. You've had such a long, incredible career, and been relatively okay. And then towards your your you know you've been going for a while. You're a full veteran, and then it happens. I mean, how at what age did you break your back? When did this happen? Oh uh, yeah, break your neck. Sorry, break your neck. I'm 41 years old currently, and it happened when I was 41. Uh, it was my first surgery um, in my life. I've I've heard my you know MCL and AC and wrists and ankles, but never required surgery. So I feel very fortunate that actually it was my first surgery. Made it a little bit more kind of like, you know, scary in some way because I never was under, you know, like mm -hmm. put under and like the anesthesia and all of the, the the stuff they tell you about. So you know that this could happen, this could happen. It's like, okay, well, just fix me. I trust you. <laughs> are you okay? Like they, they kept coming like, how are you feeling? I'm like, doctor, how are you feeling? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real question. You know, you're feeling good about this? Like, I'm good. I trust you. you know? <laughs> True. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky that I um, didn't have that many injuries. And actually, like, that was the worst one that I've ever had. And, um, cool. Well, let's run it back to the early days because you're from Quebecois. You're Quebecois. Yep. Uh, Chicout? Yeah, I'm from Shikudimi. Oh, let's give an air horn to Shikudimi. Beautiful, beautiful place. Many a negative 20 days rail trip. Just, yeah, wild good, town. Good town. Great town. A lot of spots. Yeah. Kind of became the rail capital of Quebec. Yes, it Canada. did. <laughs> yeah, a lot of snow. So what did uh, what did it look like for you, like, snowboarding? How did you find it? What were the early days like? So when I started snowboarding, um, well, first of all, I was skiing for five years, and it was in 1991 when I switched to snowboarding. Um, I had the f there was a, only like five or six guys at my own resort, Le Valinois, that were snowboarding, and they were like older guys, the guys I kind of already looked up to as a young skier, like oh, those guys, you know, because um, we I was already skateboarding and I wanted to snowboard, but um, I didn't yet. And then, so in 1991, actually, for Valentine's Day, my dad gifted me with my first snowboard. I was a Kemper kid, 133, with some Sims bindings. I know Kemper bindings with the third strap, you know, like all the purple and yellow, phosphorus and yellow. Um, it was a gift. Um, my mom and dad, like, recently separated, so he, get, he gifted me that, and that was the best gift ever. Um so right away on the next day or that day, I went snowboarding, and uh, then it just changed my life. Um, so yeah, I had a group of older guys that I looked up to, and we started boarding together. And you know, f soon enough, like our small group, you know, we became pretty tight. Um, and then we started wanting to do competition. Because, I mean, our, our resort was amazing, but we didn't have park or pipe or anything, no rail, no nothing. Just we would build our own jumps and just kind of free riding. There was a lot of snow there. And then uh, an opportunity came in 1994, which was three years after I started, to go uh, to Rimouski. It's another town in, 
in Quebec where they were hosting a half pipe contest. And we're like, let's go. We never wrote pipe, but yeah, let's, let's just enter, you know? And then you roll up and you have to dig the pipe and then compete. Um, so yeah, growing up snowboarding in Quebec was awesome. Uh, just uh, cold, but <laughs> snowy. And, um, you know, that's, all, that's what we knew. We didn't know it was warm in the West Coast. You know, we just grew up in the East Coast. Like, that's normal for us. Like, let's do this. Just wear everything you own, huh? Get out there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the coldest I snowboarded, I was minus 59 with the windshield. That's, the, or oh 57. Like That's where it starts to... Uh, C'est fret. C'est fret. What's that mean? Chris. <laughs> Tabernak. Yeah, what is, that, that word doesn't really exist in, in English, right? Fret? C'est fret. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. What's it mean? It's really it's, cold? It's cold. It's real cold. Or like, yeah, it's... Yeah. It's fucking cold. When you're at like pretty much. When you're at <laughs> negative I want to say negative sixties where Fahrenheit and Celsius meets back up. Yeah. Something like that. You don't want to be outside in those temperatures. No. But no. you were out there snowboarding the Well, yeah, my, my good friend and I actually hitchhiked. That, and the one guy who picked us up was probably the lift operator because we showed up and it's only us two and this one other guy that always is there no matter what, not wearing a hat and he's just his name was Danny and he's just skis and just Cold so we Danny. Yeah, the three of us on the chairlift, one run, we get to the top, we can't even go down, it's too sticky. And we get to the bottom, all frostbite and everything, and they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to shut this down today. I'm like, all right, well, we did our run, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did it. <laughs> Can we get a ride back down? We just hitchhiked up here. <laughs> yeah, in, in Shikudmi, I've been on the rail trip, and the news is like, if you're elderly, don't go outside because there's a good chance you might die. Yeah, you will die. <laughs> you're like, that's the weather forecast. Yeah, don't even go get the mail. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, it's funny because my grandmother, um, she was from there, and she never had a driver license her whole life, so she would walk everywhere. And so she was really tough because she would go out and go do groceries when it was minus 40. She would walk there, mm -hmm. walk back up, no problem. It's probably nice in the summer there, I imagine. Yeah, but oh, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. beautiful. I was just there two weeks ago to visit um, the lake where I grew up at and Shkudimi and Montreal, and it was awesome. We have we started uh, changing Shkudimi to just shithook is what we started <laughs> shit calling Shithook. Yeah. Were you guys heading to shithook? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that kind of leads us to the 418 crew, uh, Cat Dizuit crew. Cat Dizuit. Uh, is, did you, you guys probably said it in French, I'd imagine, or no? Was yeah, Cat and Wit. Cat and Wit. <laughs> yeah. Cat and Wit. Uh, what, what's up with the 418 crew? So 418 crew, well, was based out of the area code of Shikunimi, Quebec City, Rimouski, like the, the people that were involved all had the same area code. Uh, that started with uh, Emmanuel Krebs, actually. Um, Emmanuel was one of the first pro out of Quebec alongside JF. Elshad and Martin Gallant, but um, Manuel was, you know, as I'd done it with, you know, he was a pro rider, he was a designer um, for Limited, and then um, he became like manager as well afterwards. And um, he just wanted to pass on the passion and, and help us out as young athletes, young snowboarders. Um, a little bit like we are before, like it was a little bit harder at that time to be French Canadian and make it onto uh, you know the pro scene or even get any type of recognition from any brands that were based out in the U.S. 
And so that was his idea. He, invent, he invited Transworld Snowboarding and Snowboarder back-to-back to Mount Saint-Anne, Quebec, to make a story on us. And um, that's when the 418 crew became something. Uh, Shemrus from Transworld came. And then uh, who was he with? I mean, John Boyer was filming. Um, and then George Corvalla came from Snowboarder. Nice. And like, it was pretty rad. Uh, so we had the chance to just shred and do what we love doing, which was run up the pipe and go as far up as we can to get as m- much speed as we can into first set and then just take it from there. And we were a very tight crew of uh, of friends. We were competing a little bit already now when that happened. Um, but yeah, truly, we're just like wanting to progress and push each other. And we had that opportunity. So that became 418. They did a little Transworld video at the same time. And from there, then, I feel like some of the companies wanted to support us and the crew. And then and then that kind of took off all of our careers. And I'm very grateful for that moment and for Emmanuel. Could I get into a quick Patreon question? Yeah, let's do it. This is from Mad Ill. Canadian writers sometimes have it more difficult than their U.S. counterparts breaking into a direct relationship as pro writers with U.S.-based companies. Being French-Canadian, did you find it even more difficult? Did you shorten your name to make you more accessible for these companies? Uh, yeah, so just like I was saying, uh, it was definitely harder as a French-Canadian, uh, probably because we couldn't speak English. We couldn't communicate with the brand <laughs> or the team manager. <laughs> um, but also, I feel like um, our names, yeah, our names were very French, right? So uh, a lot of the time... It, they called it non-marketable or it was just too long or just kind of sounded weird. It wasn't like, you know, I don't know, like even like JP Walker is like probably JP stands for something. So it's like JP Walker. John it's Paul. Sh- yeah, it's John shorter Paul. a little bit, right? Sounds great, right? Jeremy Jones, you know, it's just yeah. like, just sounds like <laughs> awesome. Especially you know? when you say it like that. Yeah. Young Dolly. Sounds great. Yeah, sounds you know awesome. what I mean? Like Chris Grenier. Uh, it's French Canadian, actually. Yeah, French Canadian. Sound, yeah, we switched to the Grand Diesel, so we're I good. I think we part of it is also we look at it, we don't know how to say it. Yeah. Like, is it, yeah, is exactly. it Grenier? Is it Grenier? Same is with it? David Carrier. It gets harder with the more French you are, I guess. The, yeah. you have to, it's like you have to have peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth <laughs> to in make, order to, to pronounce say it properly. It properly. Yes. Yeah. And, and then for me, I had uh, a, a name, an infinite name. So two last names, my mom and dad. And that was very long. David Carrier Porchon, right? So then uh, my sponsor at the time decided that it was just too long. So they, they did the initial DCP and they... They're the one who decided to call me that because it was better uh, for competition, the way the announcer will call up my name, or even probably easier internally even to talk about it and just for them to start a promotion or like a campaign or something. So I think, yeah, Blotto, photographer for Burton. Did people start it. like making that your nickname too? Uh, yeah, I mean, it became the nickname within within that brand and, you know, what I was on the road and then, you know, people started calling me that. It was just also easier. But if somebody asked me, like, do I call you David or DCP? I'll go, David. David, okay. Well, it's, I realized you were kind of the forefather because then you have LMP, Laurent Nicolas Paquin. Yeah, Paquin. And then you got uh, Louis Felix Perdi. 
I guess he goes by Lou. Yeah, never mind. That's not. He was LFP for a second, second. early days, but it, everyone just started calling him Lou. Any other ones? Okay. Uh, Marie France. Oh yeah, MFR. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and I, I think there's a there's some other ones now. Yeah, well, there's sorry for whoever we're forgetting, but they're out there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it just makes it easier, and uh, yeah, uh, so they uh, embodied that, and I went with it, and it still stick. When my Love son that. calls me that sometimes. I'm he like, calls you DCP? <laughs> yeah, yeah you, sometimes. You know, nobody ever calls you Dave, I noticed. Yeah, Dave that never caught that's up. That's kind of the American version. Because yeah, da- it's like David or David. Yeah. David. Yeah. We're, we're going to call you Dave for the rest yeah, of this. Yeah, Dave. All, All right, right, Dave. Let's keep this thing going here. Famous Dave. Sounds good. Either one. <laughs> so also, you're known as, uh, you know, the, the half pipe, like early days, you know, like uh, how much did that hone your skills, you know? Edge control and whatnot. Well, I feel like, you know, even just starting to ride on the East Coast, it's pretty icy. It's uh, So we will tune up our edges and wax our board like crazy all the time. Uh, we wanted to be fast, especially riding pipe. So I feel like, and we also use forward lean on our binding a lot. Um, I feel like uh, riding pipe definitely helped with, the overall snowboarding skills uh, because you're on edge the whole time and you're you're learning to to you know to pump and push up and use the energy to get more height and more speed and everything so i feel like once we rode like years and years of half pipe and icy ones and then we get to mount hood and it's springy or like whistler and it's like whoa we can actually send it even more now uh, and then that you know after that even in slope style or jumps just the approach was seems like we you know the edging we had it dialed and uh but yeah it was it was very fun to ride out pipe and definitely uh i feel like it's something that it's still happening but seems like most people are that the ride out pipe are the ones who compete in out pipe there's not a ton of people that just casually go ride pipe um which i guess it's um it should make a revival or maybe the pipes are so big now; it's intimidating. Maybe she'll go back to like fourteen or 15, seventeen feet pipe, and then people will get that going. And a hundred percent. What would the pipe jocks do, though? The big dogs. They would still have the big pipe. Yeah, you you like have like a have junior a bacon dog. half pipe. But then it's just more for the layman at the resort that just wants to have some fun. Yeah, exactly. Half pipe is fun. It's fun, and it's, it's like the and most when we fun. grew up, it was like you hike the pipe. That's what yeah, you do. It's social, it's fun. And now you yeah. go to the super pipe, and the only people that are hiking the super pipe are Psychopaths. people that want to be Olympics or are like lunatics, lunatics. that yeah. want to do double cork. Crazy people. And often it's also like private sessions, so that the pipes build for coaches and their crew. Mm-hmm. It's so I came up across a couple of those sessions over the years, and I'm just like. Well, I'm just gonna drop in here. Hey, you're not. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. <laughs> okay, this is a perfect time to take a break and talk about our sponsors. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and talk to you guys about Sunbum. Now, uh, even though it's almost winter, you might not think you need sunscreen, but you can get roasted like a Kenny Rogers chicken out there, buds. Yes, you can, and I have been done that to me before. <laughs> just last week, in fact. Yeah, he's he was Del Scorcho, you Del could say, Scorcho. in the words of Del Taco's hot Oof. sauce. So uh, I use the mineral stick, SPF 50. Uh, it's small. I keep it in the snowboard pants. I keep one in my truck. 
Uh, you'll camera see, bag, I keep one. Yeah, keep one in the seven. camera bag. You know, he even smears it on his lens sometimes just to for good measure. <laughs> just to get better photos. You get better photos. So Those artsy ones. Um, they're, they're good people supporting our industry with cool events. They have an awesome team. They got uh, Brian Fox, Jill Perkins are on. Uh, and they also support us. And if you're interested in picking up some Sunbum, um, head on over to your local surf shop, skate shop, snowboard shop. But if they don't have it and you want to buy it online... Head to sunbum.com and use promo code BOMBHOLE for 15% off. Again, sunbum.com, promo code BOMBHOLE, 15%. Get your face lathered up. All right, we're going to get into a guest question from none other than Shane Charlebois, a.k.a. Charlie Boy, a true king. Here we go. You know how the more time you spend in the backcountry, it just seems like the board gets farther away from your hands, from your grabs? Meanwhile, in the half pipe, it's all about that dope style, the tight grabs. Well, my question for DCP is, you're known as a backcountry guy. Do you think your roots in the half pipe or what helped you translate that into the backcountry? You know, the tight grabs, the dope style. Well, it's funny you ask that, Shane. Um, thank you for the question. Love you, brother. Um, yes. Well, I would say... Um, yeah, I think riding halfpipe definitely helped because that's it was all about, especially when I started, it was not just like spinning. Like you actually had to grab and do methods and do frontside air and stale fishes and all that was like, was part of it. So I feel like, yeah, I think riding halfpipe, uh, getting the, the older the grab and having the type to tweak it, probably translated to bringing that into the tricks I was loving doing in the backcountry and holding on to the grab and until I tried to almost land down my fingers. Um, no, I think that half pipe definitely helped with backcountry. And uh, I love both, but backcountry is where it's at for sure. Well, it's good that you got your roots in the in the pipe early. And let's talk, uh, let's talk career highlights, Dave. Let's talk uh, half pipe. Like, what were some some notable notable moments? I think um, for the half pipe, the things that I remember the most are like uh, the West Beach Classic, for example. The first time I ever went there in '97, just showing up and seeing Alan Clark, Trevor Andrew, and all those guys just sending it. All the Canadian legends and and very beautiful pipe in the spring of Whistler, like. Um, so that was always exciting to go there. And then that became the Sims Invitational competition, um, which also was pretty sweet for us. That was our local pipe. And so we knew the pipe. We knew, you know, but then they had all the big guys there, Kier Dillon and Mike, uh, Michael Chuck, and just chucking like doubles and huge McTwists. And that energy at that specific contest was really high and uh, we were filming at the same time so like all of us was just like charged up so that was pretty memorable for me um i think i i did top three at that one um that was pretty fun um other than that i think that competing on the world cup circuit and having the chance and the opportunity to travel to europe and uh, places like that was and in the u.s and mountains like Mammoth or Stratton and uh, all that was very exciting because of the people I met, the places I went to, but also just like having the opportunity to ride among the best and, and, uh, and learning and 
I'm just pushing myself and it's been good. Um, I'd say um, in Alfpipe, that was that. And then after that came Slope Style, Big Air event. I was invited to do some of those. And so European Open was awesome um, when they first started. A uh, good Slope Style course. And then my most memorable memory was actually a Big Air to Quarter Pipe contest in Japan. It was called the Nissan X-Trail. And that one was really awesome because uh, there was so many people and it was in a stadium and between you know the finals and the semifinal, they had a full band, a full stage that, that was put in place and you take an elevator to the drop-in and they had fireworks and it was crazy. And ended up winning a whole bunch of money there. I was so stoked. So, yeah. It's cash probably too, huh? Those big contests. Yeah, cash in yen. You know, yeah. like two or three million yen. Here we go, but <laughs> two or three million yen. <laughs> You're like, sweet, how much is that? You're like. a millionaire <laughs> over there in Japan for a minute, huh? Yeah, I had to I had like I was flying home and I had to like get get half of it or like a third of it to a friend and so you can like, only carry ten thousand yeah. US dollars per person or else you're getting big trouble exactly so uh, yeah those yenjis you go wolf of yenjis. wall street tape it to your body <laughs> just duct tape it to the whole thing duct tape all the million yen to your body <laughs> yeah totally booyah i wish <laughs> contests were like that more you know yeah now it's like you win here's 15 dollars. yeah or here's a here's a small check <laughs> that you might see in seven to eight months if right. if you even see if it, it i've heard stories bump. of people that don't even get the check by the time the check clears the contest is like they cut the name of the company and Everyone's yeah. gone. When they give you the cash, you know it's yours. It's, yeah, oh, cash is cash. Thank you. And then you spend 10% at the bar, so then, you know, you already have it. You don't have to like, put it on a credit yeah. card. You're just like, here we go. Bam. Yeah. Love it. So going back to, you know, your career, you got signed up with Burton, and you were with them for a long time, it seemed like. How did that come about, and how did your career look when you were with Burton? Um, yeah, Burton was a great sponsor, and they came in as my first sponsor, actually, um, through the rep in Quebec. Uh, it was after I I was competing on the provincial level and a couple national contests. Um, so I was hooked up on the rep level with some gear. I was super stoked, and they, you know, they gave me the next year's gear already. So I was like, wow, okay, it's super exciting. Then I got to go to Burlington and meet the team manager there, and... Uh, I think I actually met Jake that first trip to Burlington. He was there in office and kind of quickly said hi. They gave me a tour of Burlington. Uh, I think it's 80 Industrial Parkway was where I always remember that. I remember that address. Right. Yeah. Um, So that was cool just to to be invited to even walk into that building and meet with the team manager. And and then... um, and so they're like, yeah, okay, we could support you a little bit more. You know, we'll double up the product that we can give you and you'll be under, you know, from rep to maybe under my management, North American team manager or something. And then it was 1998 when I went to Sasfe, Switzerland, um, just for training because me and my friend Danielle Mignot were um, – we're just there. We wanted to snowboard and shred pipe, and then we were going to do a series of contests that fall. And we rolled up to the Burton photo shoot. We had no idea it was happening, and they had a pipe, and then um, they had all the European team, and Johan Hollifson was there, and like a bunch of legends, Mickey Albin, and we're like, wow, look at those guys. They're killing it. And then nobody was like riding. The pipe was perfect, and we're like, can we ride this? 
like now it's just you know it's a photo shoot like yeah but we ride for Burton in Quebec like can we let us ride it come on and then they're like no not right now they're like all right you guys can ride it and then we got like what we can ride it let's go so we were so pumped and we uh, we just hiked super high up and started sessioning it and running up and down and they're like whoa wait a minute those guys need to have the new gear like come on like hook them up and so they did and from that moment on was jeff curtis was there taking photos and um i think there was some internal talk like oh those guys we should give him more support like you know and it kind of from then on was kind of we were more on the yeah on the radar and uh and then one thing led to the next i was invited to the next photo shoot in chile the following year like officially invited And I took the opportunity because I love snowboarding and I just don't want to miss a moment. So I was just like, every feature we session, I was the first one there, last one there, digging it, you know, fixing it. Oh, it's still the sun set out. The sun's gone already. It's like, oh, do you have any flashes? Let's keep hitting that thing. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it was fun. And um, yeah, Burton gave me huge support. So grateful for Jake and Donna and the whole crew there and... uh, yeah, I actually think about it often and especially this last five months, like when when kind of like thinking back on on the good memories of my past and how grateful I am for all those experiences and 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 successes achievements that I've had. And um and it often comes back to, you know, what Jake provided for me, but also for the team that he was supporting. Um, it's, it's huge, you know, they give us huge support and trust, um, you know, they will just give kids like a bunch of money and somewhat of a loose schedule, like, you know, maybe that's US Open on in March and then photo shoot then and like, just go do it, right? And um, so, yeah, that, that was very formative and very, very awesome, so. What did huge support look like back then? Well, it was just like whatever product you needed. Like Anything. it was like ten boards, no problem. Like all the outerwear, the bags, and then they would pay for all your travels. And then, um, and then we had photo incentive, video incentive, unlimited back then, wasn't it? At some point, like the travel was ca- well, capped. the f- the photo incentive was unlimited. Yeah, unlimited. Yeah. It was like show it, show it to us, we'll pay you, and it was good. Um, and. Thank you, Blotto, actually. I got to give him some mad props because he's responsible, not just for me, but for all team riders that yes. he was managing. Like, he will, like, essentially get all of the magazines from all across the world, in Italy and Spain and everywhere, Lebanon, everywhere, and just, like, cut the cover or the every little pictures of us in it, put it in a FedEx envelope, send it to us, and be like, Make sure you collect your incentive. <laughs> little note, right? And then a little artwork of his or like collage or something. Just and above then, and beyond. What a boss. Yeah. yeah, what a boss. And it's like, all right. You're like, damn, you start adding it up. You're like, awesome. Thanks, Bloods. You know? Because <laughs> yeah. like, he, he would tell it to me that some of these guys just wouldn't even do it. They didn't even realize how much money they were sitting on. And some guys got like $20,000 checks. Yeah, no, totally. They helped them get a house. Yeah, well, they Thank you for Burton. <coughs> no wonder why Burton like, didn't have him doing team management for a long time. They were looking at all those <laughs> checks. That Potentially. He was the best, <laughs> like, for sure. I think, like, his first assignment as a team manager 
when he started was to pick me and Daniel Mingo up in Reno Airport, take us to Super Park 1999. Oh, wow. That was his first game. That was a fun one, Mammoth. I remember that. That was so fun. So fun. Yeah. Yeah, that one was a memorable event for sure. Did, did you guys realize at the time, because, you know, I was a kid when you were the super pro, I use this term a lot, but the marquee pro, like you guys were rock stars when you rode for Burton, like it, especially, especially like when it got to the, like the JP Solberg, Roman, you, I felt like the unink, which we'll get into, but did you guys realize that you were rock stars at the time when that was happening? Uh, I think we were just like all of us lived in the moment so much and we're in the flow of things and like one season led to the next and we uh, yeah, definitely realized that I was supported well and um, but I also always wanted to give what they paid for or like what they, the opportunity they gave in me I wanted to not just be sitting on the side like, like alright sweet you know thank you you know just like I feel like um, all of us, actually, uh, Raman and JP and Gigi, and we were just very stoked to be out there and and be given that opportunity to push to push ourselves, but also to be in the forefront of like backcountry freestyle snowboarding and taking our whatever we did in the park and pipe to the backcountry. We had that chance, that opportunity to like go into a helicopter in Alaska or like. Are the best filmers and the best other riders to be with in the backcountry, snowmobile access. And, you know, I think there was a lot of opportunities there that um, we were just doing it. And I get, and then Burton at that, at that time, it wasn't us promoting ourselves. We will just ride photographers, filmers were putting it all together and they, they did their campaign to sell the, their DVDs or to sell the brand. So I guess at some point we, you know, when we dress up as Kiss and everything, and then we had we were doing that stuff. Like, oh yeah, okay, well, yeah. I mean, we we did realize people were looking up to us. I just I, rock star is it's another thing. I think you know, no effects <laughs> are rock stars. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> you were bigger than life to a lot of snowboarders though, and these guys had a marketing machine behind you, and it was working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and uh, you yeah. all were very talented snowboarders, so. It's a pretty pretty cool thing. It was very special, definitely. We're very fortunate to have had that role and that um, that opportunity in snowboarding, and, you know, to have inspired some people. And as you're coming up, you filmed uh, with Kingpin with Whitey, and you filmed with Mac Dog. Uh, what were what were the and obviously Burton had all their films, but um, between the the Kingpin and, and Mac Dog crews, which ones were your favorites? Well, I think that uh, one led to the next because I started with Kingpin with Brad Kramer as the main filmer and Shane Charlebois. And I only filmed a few times with Whitey, uh, but um, Brad was mostly the guy I filmed with. And then Simon, my a friend from Shikurimi, Simon Turcutt, uh, was hired and he's the one I filmed the most with. So that, you know, the relationship I had with those filmers already was awesome. And then the riders that were involved that I had a chance to snowboard with um, was very special with the Kingpin days. But that also, that led me, you know, to ride with Mark Frank and to ride with like guys like Gigi and uh, Scotty Whitlake and those guys. And, you know, they, I al- already was kind of like, at those as my, my idols, you know, I was looking up to those guys and Ali Goulet even like, at, you know, Todd Richards, um, 
And so having the chance to ride with them fueled me. And then that, and then Kingpin was over. It was like the last, the last season was back in black. Um, I had a great season that year. And then, um, and then Brad was going to start working with Mike at MacDog. And then they did Chalk Smack. And then that crew that year was the best. Like I got to ride with UC and Vile a lot. And, um, it was it was great. It was a fun year, and so the the transition was very smooth, and so it never felt like two different film company. Almost like was the same one, just you know, kind of like transitioning. Mm-hmm. So kind of like um, yeah, Brad partner with Magdog, and then that that became my crew. And then eventually, you know, go back to Shane and the boys over at Absinthe. But uh, before we get into that, we should talk about your part in back in black mm-hmm. the ender um unbelievable part uh that's where the dcp cliff was born uh, do you want to tell the story behind the dcp cliff the last shot in the movie uh, yeah sure yeah thank you for that that was also one of my favorite um so yeah i mean that year i spent a lot of time in in california um bouncing kind of back and forth between BC and California. If there was a storm in Cali, we'll drive down and then we'll drive back up and carry our sleds in the back of our pickup. And um, and so the the DCP cliff was in Sonora Pass outside of um, Mammoth or like Bridgeport. Um, and so we will go there a few times. And then the one morning where we showed up was Alex Oshu, myself, Todd Richard, Brad Kramer, Simon, Andy Wright was photogra- uh, the photographer that day. And we rolled up to to this cliff band. And um, and then first we started hanging out this other jump on the side of it that didn't have much rock to clear. It was kind of a perfect steep landing. So we got on to the top of that and started building that one. And then we're like, well, what about that big cliff? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Is that the one you switch back five in that part? The one before that he was hitting, yeah, the smaller one, yeah, yeah the, the smaller that, one. There was a smaller one on the left part that, that I think you hit, but yeah, yeah. sorry, keep going. It interrupted, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So there was like three, actually, three takeoff of that ridge, yep. one mm. in the middle, sideways a bit, yeah, switchback five, this one, and then there was another one, more cornicy, yep, no rock, kind of. Mm-hmm. Don't remember what trick was done on that one, but we showed up to the top of of the big, the bigger part of the cliff band, and uh, it was. Todd and I and Alex and we just kind of like tiptoed to the to the edge and in my mind I was like, oh yeah, that's going down. It's gonna be sweet. I wonder what Todd was thinking. Oh yeah, Todd's <laughs> like, like nope. Todd's like, hell no. And then he just he went onto a sled and went to sit with Brad at the bottom. <laughs> Not going down. Yeah, he's like, oh hell no. You know that was the reaction. He's like, um, and so me and Alex were like, okay, let's do this. Like, let's do it. So we packed it and we're like okay how much speed do we need you know throwing the snowball like not that much speed you know it's pretty big and so like who gets to go first Rochambeau for the audio listeners right now yeah and actually you know um Alex got to go first ah so it could have been called the Alex cliff but um DCP's got a nice ring to it Um, Alex went first. A two cliff might have been nice. So. He, he did. St- he did straight air. He grabbed it, and then somehow, 
he kind of nosed over a little bit and i was just <laughs> like oh shit <laughs> you know and i'm just like sitting back to not be in the shot you yeah. know and i'm seeing him kind of like that i was like ooh you know you're all that doesn't look good <laughs> and uh he didn't hit it again uh so then i i was like okay well i'm going to try i'm going to spin off of that because it's going to be probably easier than a straight air for mm. me at that time it was like if i don't see it i come around you know so yeah it was pretty sweet and um the first time i went off i overspun a little bit almost went like went to 540 and kind of almost had it um and but my goal was to do a 360 and so i went back and tried a couple more times and then rode away with one and i was pretty stoked the that rest is day. history now uh, when you're on your way out to the cliff that morning did you have a different name for it was it was it something else before the DCP clip? No, we didn't really have nice. a name for You're it like, Let's at go all. Hit that big guy. We didn't know we were gonna hit that big guy. Ah. We we were on our way to hit the side jump, and then we're like, look at so that. look at this landing. It's all filled in. It looks good. Let's go. After you had hit it, I'd been back there snowmobiling, and that thing is big in person too. Yeah, no, it was solid for sure. If you can see on the left, is that you that side slipped on the f print? Like, is that side slip you going down to check it out on the print? Um, you can see that track. Yeah, Speaking yeah, of the print, absolutely. we're yeah. going to have this print for sale, and Andy Wright was the one who took the shot of DCP. It's going to be available on bombhole.com, limited edition autographs. Shouts to Andy. Yeah, right let's, here. let's get you guys one of these on your wall framed. I, I also think about the fact that, um, you know, there's things that have gone down since, like in Follow Me Around, you went back in Backside 7 it. And there's a shot yeah. where you have a black eye after. Did you knee yourself in the face on that? Is that the story behind it? You know, it's not even like the black eye. It's part of the editing. You oh, know? it is? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was not from that, that hit. Yeah. It was from something different. Oh, you had a black eye, but it wasn't that. I didn't have the black eye on that, on, on that. Know, of that jump. Yeah. That was the same season. Uh, I hit my knee, and then uh, it, was it was actually in magic. Switzerland. Wow. It happened in Switzerland, the black eye, uh, on the solid jump with da uh, David Vladika filming. And they had, uh, I think it was, yeah. And uh, somehow they, they, got the, they got the footage and then they put it together. Okay, it was, the edit. It was, it was ed part of the edit. A little bit of but movie magic. It's kind of wild when you look at the DCP cliff, too, because you have, you, you know, that year when you back threed it, it was like pretty natural running. You didn't have to re-landscape. But then it also fills in with like a 15-foot-tall wind lip. Uh, above it, look the year you back seven did, and the year Andreas back rodeo seven did. Yeah, that was a little different. It's always shaped different, and you know the thing at that point, you know, filming with Magdog, you're not hiking up the landing to going checking out the snow because you want it pristine. You know, you don't want any weird shot. If you come short, they, they probably won't even use any shots from you know it. True. It, at that point, it was like you put your hand down. It was you, it better be big, otherwise it's like. Sh you know um so we trusted that the landing was fine we're just at the top like throwing a snowball and yeah maybe okay yeah. you didn't even probe it or anything huh <laughs> yeah no there could probe, be peppers in there you never know we're just like yeah we yeah it should be good let's go <laughs> i mean these guys were just some confident french canadians huh it was fun it was, it was uh fun you know that that kind of stuff was just what we lived for you know just like that that rush of like Oh, is it? Am I scared right now? But and then the mix with I'm, I got this. You know, yeah. the that battle of like fear, confidence, overcoming fear, and then Superhero riding away with right it. there. Yeah, it's so wild to think that that becomes a pattern 
of like, if you think about what a pro snowboarder mm-hmm. does is that you're like, especially video part pro snowboarder is like, okay, I'm in a situation where I'm really scared and I'm just going to go. And that becomes kind of normal. Yeah. You get used to it. What you guys do, huh? Yeah. You get used to it. You get, that's your daily, daily yeah. routine. And you get, you, you actually get to like that a lot. And, um, it's in it's it's a neuro response, you know. It, in some way, like it it gets in, ingrained in your neuro system where it, there's those chemicals release when when you're doing that endorphins, endorphins, and the dopamine, and like you're like it it it, it it's kind of a drug in some way, you know what I mean? Like because like it's a naturally released drug in your body that you know at some point it, it I wouldn't call it an addiction, but it's kind of like you want more of it. You know, so it's like, ooh, I love that. And it, that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps the progression going because you experience that emotion and you're like, I love that emotion. It felt great. And then at some point you're like, oh, well, now that emotion doesn't give me as much. So I probably need to go bigger. And then you seek for bigger feature and it's like, well, maybe we don't need to build anything now because we've done that. And now what if we went as big but off something natural? And then that's just kind of like what progression. I think it's really related to the emotion that it provides you. You know, I mean, I'd say it's definitely an addiction. Yeah, definitely. And you just want more. And it's dangerous addiction too because you guys can take it too far. And yeah. Somehow you guys just always do your shit though. And healthier than methamphetamine. Way, way, way healthier it's than crystal Way healthier. <laughs> It doesn't rot your skin out from inside out and uh, <laughs> no, it's, it, age it, it, you 40 it years. Is, it is some kind of an addiction because, you know, even like, because recently with my injury, I actually dealt with that in some way because I was like, it was a transition phase, you know, kind of like wanting to keep doing the stuff that provided me with those emotions, with those feelings and those chemical release and, you know, and then, and then now I'm more like, well, I kind of want, I want to keep riding. I want to keep riding and having fun, and just like riding powder and like riding with my kids and my friends and sending it off stuff that maybe of less consequence. And then in my mind, it's like, am I gonna get the same satisfaction from that? You know, that you know, twenty years of twenty five years of pro snowboarding career. And so, you know, you're just going to come to an acceptance that it's like, actually, you know, that's enough. You know, like you can get this. It can be enough, yeah. It can be enough. You don't always have to like push it to the limits to be satisfied. And that's kind of work with life too, I found out. You know, so that's that's been great. Another good thing that I learned through this injury is like, to just be satisfied with what you already yeah. have and what you, you know, you don't always need more. You that's, can dial it back a little bit. Yeah, dial it back. I like to I like to use the term, like, turn the volume down. Yeah. Because when you're a pro, you're cranked up to 10 at all times. For sure. And you don't need to snowboard at 10 to enjoy it. Exactly. But the the that dump that we're talking about, that adrenaline dump, that clip <laughs> high, the it's dump. so funny you see, like, the... You know, I, I'd come home after I get a clip and, and my partner will be like, just, she just know because I'm just on cloud nine. It's like, I'm a drug addict. I'm just like, yeah, chatterbox. Yo, what are you, what are we doing? Like just feeling great. But yeah. there is that euphoric, um, you know, when you do step out of your comfort zone and it does work, that euphoria is, 
is hard to top. And it's oh, infectious. Sure. I get it from, I come home because he got a dope shot. I got a dope photo. Yeah. I'm dancing around the crib too. And the wife's like, you're flying too close to the sun. <laughs> yeah, no. You got to step back. You got to relax a little <laughs> bit. Flying too close to the sun. <laughs> you're going to get burnt. <laughs> you're going to get burnt one of these days. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I mean, that's the beauty of snowboarding too, because everybody, whatever their level are, you know, they get to push each other. They get to push their, themselves towards getting better and learning a new trick. Or you know, it doesn't have to be the biggest, but it's still that same thing for everyone. You know, and Even, so yeah, the person fifty-fifty in the box for the first time, yeah, that's on the ground might get that same feeling as the back three on the DCP cliff. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I feel like that's such a great snowboarding is so healthy. It's so amazing. On the subject of healthy, I know you're you're not afraid to kind of get deep in in this in the sense of maybe spirituality and things like that, personal growth. And I know that you kind of have a deep connection with the mountains and deep connection with nature. Do you want to just elaborate on like snowboarding and the importance of the connection with nature and presence and things like that? Great question. Uh, yeah, I I really think that nature is is the most amazing place to be um we're very lucky you know like i mean with snowboarding there's the mountains the mountains are mystical they're big they're they just have so much to offer so much great energy in it and then the ocean similarly you know i feel like with surfing and um it's just such a great connection with with nature with the element of nature um and that element is 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 an is an energy, you know. It's it's a vibration, and and nature vibrate. I mean, to go two D, but like we're vibrating at the same vibration. Our art vibrate at the same vibration as nature. So when we have that connection, that true connection with nature, it's like having a connection with ourselves. And essentially, like that's probably why I'm attracted to that. You know, to that time in nature, just like the calmness and uh, in the mountains, you know, the calmness and uh, even there's this little bird that's like, like, and the, the snow, the, the color of the snow and just the brightness of the reflection of the sun, just all, the, all that, that, I don't know, it's, it, it's an energy. We're, we're energy. Nature is energy. We're the same energy. We're all together in this. So the animals, the birds, um, and the snow, the snow is water. We're made out of water. So there's all that similarity that, that makes it that, um, I think that connection with, like, just nature is us. And so for me, like, I can't do, I mean, I love to visit a city and I love skateboarding. So it's concrete. It's, but, you know, truly what I love best is snowboarding or surfing or mountain biking, hiking, just because you are immersed in nature and the smell, uh, just the look of it and that, you know, the touch, you touch the rock, the snow, everything, everything feels just right. Yeah, the smell of the mountains on a fresh powder day is incredible. Absolutely. The, the smell of snow. With all the senses, you know, like just yeah. feeling the, the mountain. The cold air even coming in. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, it's so awesome, and um, and so I, I actually I do miss that. I, I had a little bit of time last winter, but like I've lived in the tropics for the last three years, and so we're going back. We're we're now back in the mountains in Squamish, and 
Um, that's I'm very excited about that because I did miss that smell you did. of the snow. You know, are you just packing those. up Costa Rica or just and moving for good? Uh, well, for right now, we we are. Wow. We, we were there since February of 2020 mm. uh, with the intention to spend one year there. We spent two and a half wow. plus years, and now it's time for our daughter Lily, who's 16, to take charge, take the decision to like she wants to finish high school, get her driver license. Uh, so, you know, she's got the power and we want to empower her to, to take that type of decision. So we're going. It's so rad. She wants um, to finish high school. Yeah, she wants to finish she, high school. She's like the, the way family she, back to, to She pictures it, you know, with friends, more people at school. Yeah. Maybe dropping into a lunch on Friday, you know, in town, walking there. Like the school she was in Costa Rica was amazing. But, or I would say, and it's amazing. And it's in the middle of the jungle. You take a bus there, there's nowhere to walk to to go for lunch. Or like, you know, there's maybe eight or ten other students in her class. And so That's it. Yeah. And a lot of the a lot of them also went back to United States or Europe or wherever they were from, uh, to finish high school. So she lost a lot of friends as in the last two and a half years that lived there. And so yeah, so not only for that are we all going back, but that's the main reason. But we all also miss snowboarding, and um, you know our own resort of Whistler. Like we're just we just want to get back and get into it. And Reef wants to snowboard. Lily wants to snowboard. Mags is super excited to go shred, and so am I. So we'll be good. It's so cool that you got a family of rippers, dude. Yeah, it's incredible. Reef chief. Yeah, super lucky. Um, and also, you know, we grew up with. They grew up with other friends their age. Uh, from other family that snowboards a lot, you know. Uh, they're very good friends with the Cummins and with the Sullivans and, um, you know, even, like, you know, just inspired by, like, you know, Warble's family to see where Cody mm -hmm. and Jack are, are making it to. We, we met those guys. They were tiny, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think that inspires our, our kids to just, just want to get out there and just be like the... You know, do it with their parents, you mm -hmm. know, surfing, skating, snowboarding. And we're very lucky that they want to do that. I'm sure there are some frustrating Beautiful. years when you're younger, but it's got to be fun now. Yeah, or just, it, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was frustrating, um, but, you know, it's a sac sometimes it can see be seen as a sacrifice in some way. Like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hit the bunny slope right now and help you up, and it's two foot of fresh on peaks just opening. <laughs> it's bombing. <laughs> You get the text like, oh, my God, best run ever. See you at Dusty. It's, like, yeah. it's always the best run ever. <laughs> <laughs> but helping your kid down the bunny slope yeah. also can be the best run ever. Absolutely. That's a great feeling, I imagine. Yeah, and, and I'm so excited for them to, like, after that break, get back in the mountains. And with the skills that they, they got through skating and, and surfing the last two years, like, how are they going to – translate that into getting back on a board that has binding does it help i think it helps and I'm, how does it help has it helped yeah how, how does it help i want to know how, how does it help um well you're standing sideways you're feeling um you know you're you're trying things you're trying things you're trying them you achieve them so it's all kind of the same you're learning a lot of lessons you need to stay in the moment and pay attention or you're going to cut your edge, just like skating. Like, you stop paying attention, you're hitting it hard, you know, on concrete and, like, off the coping or whatever. 
surfing same thing you're so in the moment surfing as soon as you drop in and you know everything comes in and it's different and you adjust so that to me it helps with free riding because you're it's like free riding like a on-site slope basically so i think it helps for me it helps so maybe for them it will we'll see no i love that i I always wonder about that with surfing and and there's there's a bunch of things that I, you know, going back to the addiction, the thing that's so funny, talking about getting a clip, being a high, like when you get a good wave, you're like, oh, I'm going in after this one. You get a good one, you're like, I'm not going in. I'm going right back out and catching another one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, again, you know, again. Yeah. yeah, and so I think with surfing, there's that element that we just discussed, but I think there's an added element because a wave is energy. And it gets created thousands of miles away by a huge storm. And then it travels across the ocean and it gets separated and more aligned depending on the intensity of the storm. And then it reaches the shallow ends, either the reef or the sandbar. And then that all that energy folds over itself and you're there to capture that wave and you're riding it. And then after that, it washes offshore and that's it. So you're capturing some of that energy. 100%. So I think that adds to to that that feeling that you have to get a good one and like what you want to like you know get better, get a better one, but also your feeling of this energy that traveled and it's just kind of like I want another one. I want that again. Again. Yeah. It's interesting go. the feeling after surfing is almost like the feeling after yoga or something. Whereas it's not always the same. I mean, with snowboarding, it's like that a lot. It's just it seems like it's a little more connected, maybe a little more meditative. But it's interesting thinking about the train, like you just said. It's like the it's never there again. Mm-hmm. It always changes. With snowboarding, you know, you ride a powder run, you rip down turns. The, the train changes to a degree. I mean, slope style, rails, they can be very similar, you know, repetitive features. But, you know, riding natural terrain, it's always going to change. Surfing's always going to change. Skateboarding, always the same. For sure. That's a difference. And that's why I think that, you know, I like snowboarding and surfing the best out of the three because of that element of new and that element of of, of, um, of connection with nature. All right, we're going to get into a guest question. This guest question is presented by 686, Buds, isn't it? It is. 686 is a rad company. Back in 1992, my buddy Mike West, 30 years ago, dude, started this company. And uh, he was cool enough a couple of years later to sponsor myself, which is pretty rad. Stony Buds. Yeah, Stony Buds back in action. And uh, I've been able to kind of see this company over the past 30 years just evolve into the juggernaut that it is today. And uh, it's been incredible. And a cool thing about Mike is he surrounds himself with rad people. You look at people like Patrick McCarthy, Forrest Bailey, myself, Blotto, George Cavalla, who you mentioned earlier, works over there now. I mean, he's a, oh, nice. he's a smart guy. He just brings the right people around him. He has a passion for snowboarding, and I think a lot of companies, you know, don't have snowboarders behind them, so that's really important. Um, they also have really strong eco-friendly initiative, which is a really good thing in today's world. They're always worried about their carbon footprint, and uh, that's the attitude we need to see all brands taking, or else uh, we might see winters just kind of dry up. They also have a new program going where they're expanding into a new category with streetwear. Um, they're talking about a small line of tech clothing designed for climbing, hiking, mountain biking, even uh, parkour, if you will. I don't know if that's your thing. Chris is kind of down for that sometimes. Yeah, we get parkour going at the office, jump off the trash cans. Yeah, whatever whatever we need to do. Or if it's in my case, maybe loungewear, uh, because it's very comfortable as well as technical. 
So it's cool to see 686 just evolve over the years and uh, become the company that uh, Mike had kind of envisioned when he started this thing 30 years ago. So do yourselves a favor. Check out 686. Okay, let's get into a guest question for none other than Lucas Huffman, an old war dog of yours. Here we go. Hey, bomb holers. Hey, DCP. Stoked you're on the show. I'll be happy to listen to the episode. Um, I've got a kind of like broad snowboard and life approach question for you. Um, I remember that when I was on my way out of my snowboard career, you were on your way in and um, we rode a lot. We sessioned a lot of jumps together and it was very clear that you represented the future when we would go out and ride together because I would get pretty mentally and physically torched um, pretty quickly. And meanwhile, you just had like boundless amounts of enthusiasm for hitting a jump and and the overall stoke and um and so my question is you know can you like get us a, a little slice into your like heart and your soul i guess about what it was that made you so motivated to go snowboarding back in those days and then it kind of underlayer too my guess is that you approach your daily life like this what's your like secret to keep um so much energy going uh in both your spirit and in your little legs there all right guys um see you later <laughs> nice nice yeah great question lucas and um love you man um we had such a good time eating jumps snowboarding together you've been such a huge inspiration for me actually uh probably more than you think or ever known um for me actually you know like um all that stoke was was just because i loved to do it so much i really enjoyed being in the mountains and being with people like you and like uh the people involved in snowboarding are i feel like are also all following their passion and their dreams and that you know we feed off of each other a lot and i'm inspired by guys like you lucas and other guys that i got to and girls that i got to snowboard with i'd say though like my energy level i guess i was never labeled as anything but you know as a kid i had the energy as well my mom just would say just come back at 10 p.m just just go play outside you know i'll i'll ring the bell when it's dinner time i don't want to see you in here just just go play, you know, go skate, go whatever. Um, so I always had energy, I guess, to, but it, for snowboarding, it's, mo and I guess surfing and whenever in my life is, if I enjoy something very much, I love to do it and I just want to do more of it and just keep going. And I, it, it's kind of like a dynamo, I guess, like I get, I get fuel, I get energy from doing it. So, you know, as soon as I get started, then it just provides more energy. And so it used to be I can pipe and we'll just hike and hike and hike, 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 hike faster. Can I squeeze one more run in, you know? And same for jumps because we often, we, you know, we will not get a shuttle with a snowmobile or any bump. Like we just hike the jumps that we do and we set up a boot pack and then we hike and then we keep trying and then we either land a trick, but we want to do it better. 
or we just want to do a better trick than the other guy and so is the other guy so it's it's like a competition in a way but it's more like it's more of a of a, an inspiration like oh lucas just opened this this jump with a switch back five i wanted to do that but i can't he's already done it so what is it gonna be you know and certain jumps work for certain tricks so then you're like you get all creative like I'm going to do a front seven or I'm going to do that trick or I'm going to just had a 180. I'm going to switch back seven. And then that feels you because you end up doing it. And then you look at what the other guy's doing and then you just want to be in the session. And so, yeah, for me, it was always just that passion, the, the stoke and the feeling I was getting out of it. And that, that was an energy, truly. And I was attracted to that energy. And in my life, I, you know, I find myself being attracted to energy that makes me feel good. And I want more of it, right? And it, now it's a little different. You know, what makes me feel good is maybe different than back then. But it's the same. At the end of the day, it comes back to love. And what I love doing is, is being in those feelings in, the, in that moment. So I want more of it. Very well articulated well. answer. Uh, a couple things I just wanted to add to that, if you don't mind. But um, we've talked about it on the show. I don't know why this is. This always comes back. It's a reoccurring theme. Sorry if I sound like a, we're beating a dead horse. If people have heard this, but the idea of the passion compass, like whatever your passion is, mm. is your compass that calibrates you in the right direction. I think is such a good con, like especially for parenting or something too. But but uh, it's like, oh man, I'm, I really love welding. I really love skateboarding. It doesn't matter what the fuck it is. I really like music. It's like, well, if you really like it, like that's it's a good North Star, so to speak. And I liked what you said earlier too about like the domino effect too, because it's such an interesting one where you you have energy and you go use it and you get more energy. It's like um, I can explain it inversely where you're like, I'm tired. And so you sit on the couch and then you just are still tired. But if you're like, I'm tired, and then you go on a mountain bike ride, you're like, whoa, I have energy. So I don't yeah. know. I thought I like what you said there. Those are my two little snippets. No, absolutely. And that's, I feel like that's how it works for me anyway. It's like if I do wake up and I feel tired or I feel maybe not creative and unmotivated, because that happens, you know, we're all humans, um, then it's a matter of choosing to start the day with something I like and then therefore it fuels a, a day filled with something that I love and then that 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 gets my creativity back and and then the the stoke on life and on whatever else I'm doing in the same way it's like my brother was was in um in this programming computer class recently and my dad's calling and he's like yeah he's failing and it's he doesn't like it at all. He really hates it, and I don't know what to do. And is even if he got a hundred percent, he's not gonna finish. And I was like, "Well, tell him to quit. Just tell him to 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 find out what he likes, and then he does it. You know, like it's it's college. You know, like don't just go because you're doing it. Like if you're not gonna do something you like, and then that's gonna become your career." that's going to be miserable for you, you know, for a long time. So then he's like, oh, yeah, totally. So then my brother ended up just quitting the program and now is just more stoked on starting this September into graphic design as opposed to programming. 
So that's just everybody. Everybody has their own passion, but as long as that's that you're actually doing what you love, then that's that's when magic happens. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise it's it's kind of hard. You know, like to life is harder when you do something you don't like. Yeah, and it's also okay that if you pick computer programming and you think you want to do it, and then you realize you don't, that's also okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like sure. you don't have to just like you're saying. It's great. I love that. Well, I want to get back into snowboarding because there's a huge topic. I think we have a Patreon question, Buds, in regards to Unink. All right. We got a Patreon question from our good friend, Benny Pellegrino. And uh, I don't know what we do without these questions no, week to we, week. We got another, uh, basically a similar question from another Patreon member, too. Let's give him a shout out. We're going to give, uh, let's see here, Johnny Mandino a shout out as well because he also wanted to hear the backstory on this same question. So, Benny asked, David... Tell us about the birth of Unink. Secondly, how it all went down to leave Burton and start Yes. So it's right. kind of a long one, I guess. There's a lot, lot to that. Benny, Johnny, thanks for the question. Um, so Unink started with Burton um, and Roman DeMarkey, J.P. Solberg, Gigi Roof, and Jeffy Anderson. Jeffy was actually, you know... One of the kind of like the creative force behind Unink when it started. It started in Norway, uh, in Amsterdam, where we had a big jump session. Um, that's when we all first met, and Rennie Hansen, who was team manager at the time, brought in the idea of like starting something together and getting out of the you know the custom and the seven and those other sub not sub brand but like categories of burton and uh doing something as a crew and so that was the start of the conversation and um and then the gdk office or the design office of burton at the time um held like a little bit of a brainstorm of what are we going to call this thing you know like um and so it became unink as in unincorporated and we had uh, the logo became a piggy bank with an X on top of it, which represented no entry of money or no corporate um, push, like basically full creativity. You guys get to choose what is the shape of your board, what graphic goes on it. We have no say. And their thing on the business sense was very, very cool because they wanted to honor the core store like the mom and pop core store, like the owned by skateboarders, owned by snowboarder stores, as opposed to the bigger chain. So they limited the sell, the sell of of the, those on ink boards to you know to fulfill like the Milo that Benny store and like the um, you know all those ones you know like the circle and uh, you know and the wave rave you know just the the ones that really are like where the snowboarding art beat was coming from at that time. Um, not that any of the other stores were, you know, not relevant, but this this was snowboarding, you know. And so so that's exactly what happened. So we were being creative, we were filming, we were uh, doing, choosing the artists and, you know, doing all that. So that became very fun for our crew. And then um, on year two already, uh, Jeffy passed away, which was tragic. It was really tragic. 
um because he was like such a huge part of that crew and that initiative and and then uh we kept going you know and we uh, worked with billy on getting some graphics uh that represented jeffy to keep going a couple years uh to honor him uh and then so the second part of the question is like and then how did it translate to starting yes um well i feel like what happened was that there was a new person coming to Burton in finance, in the financial department, and they looked at numbers. You know, that's always kind of how it works. They look at spreadsheets like, okay, well, we're paying these guys that much, but we're limiting sales of those boards to only sell that many? That doesn't work for us, you know? So, like, I feel like that kind of came to... It wasn't sabotage because... Self-sabotage, but it is like kind of like... A, we wanted to be that crew that's not overselling not you know doing that but yet at the end it's kind of like well we're paying them too much for what they bring us although you know at the end of the day there's outerwear there's boots there's gloves there's all this stuff but it felt like that's what it came to um and there was a big shift i think a bunch of other people got cut that same year and so it was pretty harsh in some way because we all felt and i i certainly felt as part of the family and i will maybe was able to keep doing this forever <laughs> and i just like you know kind of keep working with them and um so it wasn't the case we were just like all right that's it you want a pro form we can give you one like we're like what no. Oh, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> you want a pro form? No, seriously, that was on the table. That I was, was like, on the table, huh? I was like, yeah, no, I think we're not done with They're our like, snowboarding career. Like, I'm going to look for another sponsor. Thank we're you. We're going to rip up your current contract, <laughs> and here is a pro form. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, thanks. Um, so much gra gratitude for, for all of the people at Burton anyways. But um, now that created another opportunity. Um, and Raman actually is Swiss and he had a relationship with Henry Neidecker from Switzerland from Roll and that's where we are based and they together with this other guy Jim from Geneva thought about this concept. They they actually wanted to to do like a skateboarding, like a seasonal release. Four release a year, limited edition boards and that's how it kinda the idea of yes was starting. And um and so they, uh, Roman wanted to have partners with him and so he reached out to myself and JP Solberg uh, which we were very good friends at the time already and uh, and so we started all together with uh, the support of the Nidecker family Henry Nidecker so we all were learning and going from pro snowboarding to entrepreneurship and owning a business and you know we were running basically marketing um design and uh the nightaker were running the logistic on distribution and sales and collecting the money and being the back founder of it and then that you know gradually just improved and the, the, that's how it started really it was almost by luck and i can even go deeper in the fact that we were at asr grenade movie premiere night and raman had a meeting with ronki <coughs> He was the team manager at Rome, and uh, he was going to get on that brand. They were on a rooftop of some pool hotel and just drinking, and Roman calls me, 
All right, get on the train from Encinitas. Come and meet us. He's got a contract for you too. He's got an offer. All right. I was like, really? All right. I jump in on the train. By the time I get there, they're wasted. And I mean, they're having fun. Let's say put it that way. They're having fun. <laughs> I like the way this is going. <laughs> they're having fun. And then we're like, all right. Well, we never discussed any of that. You know, we're the just business like, never came up. No, I'm just rolling up and like, here's a beer. All right, let's go. You know, premiere tonight. Danny Cass is a movie and this and that. And like, all right. Roman orders a limo for all of us to jump in to go to that movie premiere. And while we were waiting, they're wrestling. And he just... Gets him in a Navy SEAL choke. He gets Ronky in one. Ronky in one. Ronky passes out. Falls on the ground. No. Limo rolls up. And then we're like getting him in there. <laughs> and he came back. He was like, oh, man, that was crazy. And then he goes to Rama and he goes, for the record, don't you ever choke your possible new future team manager. Offers off the table. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's an epic story. So then from then, that's when Yes was founded. So, you know, thanks to Roman, obviously. Roman's been actually the Thanks to Roman for yes. choking Ronkin. Yeah, and how many years ago was this? That was now like 13 years ago. So, yeah, we're talking about a brand <laughs> that's now been in business for 13 years, all because of a Vegas chokeout. <laughs> yeah, it was like a San Diego chokeout. San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. That's even better. San Diego chokeout. But that, but also, you know, uh, yeah, Roman <laughs> is definitely the force behind it and got me and JP involved. And so I'm very grateful for him for like his connection and his, the, the birth of yes, for sure. That's incredible. Yeah. It's crazy to me that Burton, they designed this whole company around selling less and being un-ink. And then some guy just comes in and, yeah, this doesn't work. And always comes back to money with, with big brands. And you got to, I guess, remember that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. Well, so the thing it's the interesting, line. too, thinking about that is that there, there's that, there, that might be if you're looking at a direct sales, but there's also the factor of making a brand cool. Yeah. Right? And making and Burton cool. Making Burton cool. Right? Yeah. So, so Unink, from my, my, perspective, mine too. my perspective, made Burton cool. And that, that, although as a line item, might be hard to explain to somebody that doesn't understand that weird intangible thing yeah. snowboarding. But what you guys were doing was taking the brand and making it cool. For, forget all the the stuff with the shops. Like mm -hmm. that that was that was the message I thought, in my opinion. And it was working. And you I took th the best I think, riders from Burton. I think that was the intention of Renee and 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 those guys, Jake and whoever else was involved in that creative process. It's just that. I think every few years they they bring in a new financial advisor, yeah. CFO, whatever you call that person, mm -hmm. and then that person might not have been in in the know or in the industry or even a snowboarder. We don't know. He might not even have to be though. He might just go to Jake and be like, "Dude, you're, ble finance. you're bleeding money, man." Yeah, like, kind of like you know, why are we paying this guy, yeah. this guy, this girl, this guy, these guys? Because at the end of the day, Jake knew what why it was created, you know? And yeah. he probably just didn't have a choice. Like, business is hard. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. So, I thing. mean, it happened, and it's, you know, it. every opportunity is, is a new opportunity. A door closes, a door opens. It, for us, we just took that right in and then created our own brand, and now we're very stoked and lucky that, you know, we were able to be part of this community and this industry. It's Truly. important to have that attitude, though, that positive attitude. A door closes, a door opens. Some people, a door closes, and then just crawl into a hole. Door closes yeah. and mad at the world, yeah. Yeah. Going and back, they start pointing what, fingers. What were, the, what were the early 
issues of entrepreneurship that like the, what was the learning the learning curve must have been gnarly so what were some of the early like issues you guys had or? well i guess i guess you know we're just we're all learning you know we went from um barely finishing high school to pro snowboarding traveling the world um learning tr- the the school of life which we did Quite good at that, I feel like, you know, street cred. <laughs> School of hard knocks. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, when we went into business, you know, there's all those other elements. Like, it's a business. You want to be, you know, sustainable. You want to, you know, you want to put out a product that actually works good. And I think all of us, the three of us, really, that's what we had in mind was like, we're going to make sure that, you know, whatever we put out there is what we ride and it's good. And, and then from there comes the business. And so we did that for a while, supported the people that we really wanted to be involved. Um, and then, you know, there's always some little kinks, you know, maybe a factory doesn't do it properly like you want it to, to be. And then there's warranty issues or there's like a little issue there here and there or like late deliveries and those are all details that you know we we had to learn and we had to all learn together as a group uh to make it better but the good thing is that we all wanted to make it better so so we all had the common goal to you know learn and make it good and and then so there was a lot of learning curves but you know, at the end of the day, like it comes down to learning and nobody is a pro at this, you know, there's always opportunity to grow more and learn more. And so I'm very grateful for that, for the Yes School and for all those boys and uh, retailers involved, distributors, reps, everybody seems to have something that we can learn from and therefore uh, make the brand better. What was it like going from big Burton budget all of a sudden you probably weren't even getting paid uh yeah we didn't get paid for for years um lucky for us we had other sponsors to support our our journey and uh and so that was very good you just made it work made it work yeah I mean um yeah exactly we just again comes back down to passion we started a new project so that added some fuel to our to what we wanted to achieve and and at the same time we were not done with our with our snowboarding and where we wanted to to push ourselves to um and so we still had those same opportunities to film and to keep filming with the the big brands and absent and you know um and then we made our own movie which added some other excitement to it because that you know that's what we used we were used to doing is like filming creating content and so I think that, yeah, the, I, I guess the, the big contract versus the smaller contract, um, it didn't affect us that much because of the support of other sponsors. They sponsored the movie project. This gave us travel budget to do it. And then they also supported us in, in ways where we could support ourselves and our family and, and, and then keep doing the job without payment for, for a while. Mm-hmm. That's right. Talking about the team, it's kind of cool to think as well. You guys have always had a rad team. And I remember, you know, for me, I was close with Frank April, who got his start with Yes, and then ultimately moved on to Arbor. Uh, One of the coolest team moves lately is Dustin Craven. 
that's exciting, right? Yeah, Dustin is such a G and such a good human and so talented, such a charger. I was so glad to see him this year, like, win bald face, natural selection, and, and just, like, do so good at that. And, you know, creating his own movies, you know. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, man. Um, I don't know which the next one's called, but... Um, yeah, I, I like his writing and his enthusiast and his, his like, explosiveness. He kind of reminds me of Raman in some way, you know? Um, and it's good to have him on the team. Very, very thankful for him to, like, to be waving our flag. I love it. Well, let's get into uh, Name That Video part. Woo! Here we go. Name that video part is presented by the Icon Pass, buds. It is. From East Coast to West, across Canada, the European Alps, to Japan and beyond, the language barrier has just been broken. To turn up the fun factor, the Icon Pass welcomes three legendary destinations to its family of mountains. We're talking about Chamonix in France, Sun Valley, Idaho, and Snow Basin right here in Utah, Chris. That is right here, buds. You're absolutely right. Additionally, new pass options have been added to the mix, starting at only $269 adult, the Icon Pass Session 2-day, and the Icon Pass Session 3-day offer a range of affordable entry points. It's time to bring the stoke in and get ready to let the, the joy out with an Icon Pass in hand across 50 of the best mountains in the world. Head on over to IconPass.com. Now, DCP, how are we feeling for Name That Video part? Fitting good, fitting good, for sure. Well, since we'll this <laughs> since this is uh, actually, I'm not even gonna say. I'm not even gonna say. Never mind. Don't say. We'll see how you do. Yeah, uh, confidence level zero through ten. Middle of the road. Sank. Sank. Sis. Sis. Sis? In, in, in cat sank. Sis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five or six, I guess. Yeah, five or six. Okay, here we go. Jolene. Jolene. That's a chili part in a Magdug movie, and it's in the Follow Me Around. I think that's correct. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, you got yourself a prize pack, which is behind your chair. Yeah. Uh, Love also, that song. Yeah. We'd already, we already did this podcast, uh, and I used the exact same song in <laughs> you February. did, did you? <laughs> and I think you got it in February. <laughs> <laughs> he got it again. He's, he got it again. So All right. our good friends over at Yeti sent us that uh, bag. So it's called a, a carry-all. We got a bomb hole carry-all nice. from our friends at Yeti. And then they also loaded that up with uh, Slow Tide merch. We got a Slow Tide towel and Slow Tide blanket. Uh, they're a really cool snowboard company. They, they support snowboarding. They support surfing. They make ponchos if you go surfing. They got all kinds of cool collaborations. That's a little blanket right there very cool so thank you, you guys i'm very grateful for that that's sweet i'll use that if you're interested in heading on uh getting some slow tide stuff head on over to slowtide.co use promo code bombhole for 15 percent off i believe something like that we also got bombhole merch in there uh available where buds at bombhole.com yes bomb not bhole.com bombhole.com make sure you get that right 
Thank you so much. I love that. That's great. This guy gets two prize packs. Yeah, he does. You already got, you got one before, right? I did. <laughs> was it? Do we have the carryall or was it the same? Uh, thing? No, there I don't was. Think we had it the was a tote. Yeah, yeah, it was different. I did have that cup, and I drunk out of it like almost every other day out of Costa Rica this now you last got a couple new one of years. To bring to Whistler this last year, anyways. Yeah, that's awesome. Stoked on that. Okay, for part two of name that video part, this is for the listeners. So if you know this song. And you want to say what video part it is, comment on Instagram on DCP's photo uh, on our bombhole Instagram when this comes out. That's where we pick our winner. And you get what, buds? You're going to get a prize pack. Yeah, we'll probably sprinkle in a little uh, CB Days in there, sprinkle. too. Let's sprinkle. A little sprinkle. Here we go. Okay, thank you guys for playing. That was a quick Name one. that video part. Jolene's a good song. Oh, yeah. That song, too, yeah. yeah. Follow me around. While we're talking Jolene. video parts, that's... So there's Jolene's a good song. That's, that's Mac Dog. And then there's... Uh, you wrote to No Effects, Separation of Church and Skate. Yeah. Great song. Someone sing that so I can remember it. DCP? It's like really oh, fast. Lost in a sea of combat boots. You sound like them, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I know the song. Are you now. a NoFX fan? I am a NoFX fan. Huge Big fan. NoFX fan, huh? Yeah, I really love NoFX from the get go. You know when they had, uh, but Mike Dog used to throw that in there in his movies. Was that what got you your love for him? Like you saw him in Shred movies, and you were just like, "Absolutely, this is dope." Where I'm from, like in Shkudimi, like. I think my friends and I are responsible for punk rock to come into the scene because wow. HMV or wherever that, you know, where they sold those CDs didn't have that. Not there, you know, and we ordered all those like Pennywise, like Wagon, No Effects, Dead Kennedys. Like we were the first one to order them. And then it was sold elsewhere, but not in our hometown. So then they brought that in. And then that was all due to. The snowboarding flicks and the skateboarding ones. That's cool. You're responsible for bringing punk rock to Shakutami. <laughs> to Shithook, it's the actually shit called. Hook. Well, they didn't have the internet, you know. They couldn't go look it up. Yeah, or at least like for people to sell. Some people probably went to Montreal and yeah, got true, it. Yeah, true, Or Quebec City, but like for for the, the shred community, I think that came. You brought and, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. And that's such a cool thing. I, that the, the punk is such nostalgia now watching videos because a lot of times you'll watch a video, it'll be like some weird electronic, like misty hard to kind of like it's almost like a like a weird like nightclub dive bar you're like where what is this like song i'm certainly not gonna listen to it on the way up the hill yeah but then then you go you go you know no effects and you're hyped and you're it just gets you going it's like those those fast old you know the pennywise and and there's you know they had foo fighters and everything in those old mac dog videos yeah so thrilled so thrilled on that and you know fun fact what no effects is uh well, my sister, she's in a band. She's a lead singer and guitar player. Her band is called Les Shirley, um, out of Montreal. And recently, this la- last two months, they ended up opening up for No Effects. No, no way. Yeah, so in this uh, music festival in Trois-Rivières, yep. between Quebec City and Montreal, it was a big punk festival with 20,000 people, and then they were playing right before No Effects and got to hang out with them backstage. And You couldn't go because you're in Costa Rica. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't there. Ooh. But like to me, I was like, I was like, oh, man, 
I'm like your inner child. I, maybe I'm freaking. like more stoked than she is. I don't know how much <laughs> she loves no effects, but I was just like, yeah, <laughs> sister. So sick. Little sidebar: My first concert I ever went to was a Warp Tour, and I went to the Warp Tour to see No Effects. So I always say my first concert was a No Effects concert. Wow! I used to be super into all the punk and drublick and everything. Great, yeah. great music. So yeah, did what, your love for, come from Mac Dog movies as well? Nah, actually, nah. my sister. She's okay. the one who kind of was like, "You should listen." Older to punk. sister throwing cool stuff at I, you. But maybe there was a lot of that in like yeah, skate and snowboard music definitely influenced. Yeah, that it always goes hand yeah. in hand. It's kind of a cool thing. Um, going back to that, you know, part, you go back to the DCP Cliff, you back seven, that thing. Great part. I want to know, what do you prefer? Step down or cheese wedge? Uh, ends down, step down for me. Um, definitely less built, first of all. You get to snowboard more because you don't have to build for hours. Um, and I like, I like that feeling of, of having this this little platform with a little bit of kick, you know, just so you can throw your trick, and then you're on the edge of the world, and you know you you're stepping down, or you have to like you you know, you get airtime, but it's not all like with speed. You have less speed, but you still get crazy airtime. I like it the best. I have a Patreon question. Yeah, this is from Jesse Bell, and he says. First of all, what is it like sitting on top of those huge cliffs before you drop? What are you thinking? What's going on in your head, and what are you feeling? Great question. Because um, I'd be up there crying. <laughs> I don't even want to look off those things. Well, like I was just saying, like there's my favorite type of jump. So um, for me, like there's a mix of emotions when I'm what I'm feeling, what I'm up there. It's a little bit of fear. Because obviously you don't want to come short. You don't want to overshoot it. it. You know, you don't want to land on, you know, go the right way. You know, you don't want to land on a rock or on a tree or something. So there's that fear. But at the same time, it's like this, this knowing, this confidence that you can do it. And that, that <coughs> mix of both creates that, that feeling that's like, all right, I'm going to overcome that fear because I know that at the end, it's going to feel really good. It's going to be like, oh, that was effortless. That was like, you know. So it's um, it's a mixed feeling, but it's exciting. And it keeps me want to do more of it. The payoff's worth it. The payoff is way worth and the, it. And the pro tip is maybe don't do a straighter off a huge one, right? That Spin. Would, that would be, yeah, that would be my, my you know, pro you tip for time, sure. Less time to see the landing and just fall pretty yeah. much. So I was always, I mean, talking about that, amazed by a guy like Devin Walsh where he's jumping off big step down, going switch methods. Switch straight air off like big drops. Is, that's like next level. It's guaranteed next level. like the slow tip forward to yeah, just savage tomahawk. <laughs> just yeah. tip, tip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so step downs are great and they feel like, yeah, it feels it feels scary, but it feels like you can overcome that fear and turn it into a positive experience. And then you ride away, and you're like, you feel like you achieved, like you're on top of the world. And do you like, think speed helps you land easier? Like when Mike LeBlanc's doing giant street ollies, he says speed makes it easier to land. Or do you think it's something different? I guess it depends on the feature. Um, you want to match the landing. So if you have a super steep landing. I feel like 
you can come in with less speed off of, of a step down. But if you have a step down that you're clearing a gap and then you need to land in the la- in the perfect spot, you want to dial in that perfect speed. And then and then that's that's the hard part. That's yeah. part of the, the fear factor. At the end of the right? day, it's a math equation, huh? Yeah. Dialing the, the it all in. The thing that I love is like the cheese wedges are like getting shot out of a cannon. You yeah. just come in and you're like, yeah. and they're super fun. But the... The, like the, the step down is so nice because you come in, you creep, you creep in, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna do, say a cab five. You're like, you pop like you're gonna do like a half cab almost. You're just like, and then you spin it so slow, and then it, yeah, it's so much. It's such a cool like dropout versus an apex. Yeah, 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 totally. It's interesting. Both are fun. Don't get me wrong. You know, like just jumping in general is fun. Um, just that weightless feeling and that. You know, it's pretty amazing. I think for a lot to step down is, is tough for the, the blind factor, you know? You yeah. really got to trust. It's about... Trust your memory uh, and your eyes and your feelings. That's a good That's a good word for it. Trust. Trust, yeah. Right? You got to trust you yourself. Trust yourself, yeah. You got to trust the landing has no rocks in it. You got to trust, even like with filming, you got to trust your crew and you, that, you know, if something happens, they'll get you out of there. You got to trust the photographer, the filmer. You trust Tony Buzz. That's like, that shot. yeah, right there. You know, it's like you throw a snowball and you don't see the landing sometimes. Yeah. You got to trust that your filmer or photographer that's on the other side is like, yeah, that's exactly where you want to land or you need to go a meter further or like, you know, whatever. If they're not paying attention, it can be a recipe for disaster. Yeah, ex- exactly. If they, if they So that trust relationship with media and with the rider, so important. And the other riders that are involved, it can get you can get hurt real easy if if they uh, don't take it seriously. Yeah, exactly. Well, we actually speaking of step downs and cheese wedges, we had an old comrade of yours, Juice Box, aka UC. He's got a question. Here we go. Juice Box. What's up, bomb holes? Juice Box here. That's so windy today. I got a couple quickies for DCP. Can you tell us what happened in Japan when a homeboy? grabbed your privates that was pretty classic and then maybe just give us a little summary of our first trip to valdez how many fun runs versus actual video clips we got hope you well brother peace that's funny but sicky calls himself <laughs> juice box yeah juice box yeah you see great man i love you my brother thanks for those questions earlier i said that uh i like to remember the good memories so now this one in Japan, a guy driving my privates at an event. I don't almost, I kind of like don't remember that one so much. You don't even remember it. But now that you mention it. Selective memory. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it, I, I believe it was during a promo tour, movie premiere, Burton thing. And just kind of like rolling up to on stage and, and uh, just presenting the film, you know, and there's the Japanese fans and they're very like very fanatic and and then all of a sudden I'm up front and this guy just just grabs it <laughs> grabs a full package just almost like is just kind of like sizing me up or just I don't know what it was you know he wanted to see if the rumors were true or maybe or he was just stoked you know yeah and he was just like yeah gotcha <laughs> you know I don't know that's a new level of stoke I like it so it was uh it was interesting how'd you react I'm 
pretty sure I just kind of pushed him off and was kind of, you know, kind of weirded out by it and okay. just get partying. That's, that's kind of getting into your personal space. I was wondering right if you were there. just going to leave him latched on. Yeah. <laughs> the whole Let night. him just kind of Come stay. on up. Come on up. <laughs> Anybody else line up? Who else wants to take a grab at this Anybody thing? Anybody else want to feel this thing? <laughs> you win this DVD. <laughs> So it doesn't sound like a bad idea, but yeah, okay. <laughs> and the uh, well, part two, second question. Um, yeah, I mean, the first time that we ever took a trip to Alaska, we went to Valdez, and we were um, for Magdog. We were filming for Magdog. We were with Brad Kramer, Adam Moran was the photographer with us, uh, Josh Dirksen, me, Lucy, and uh, it was. We decided to go full private Ellie. And we had the budget, so we were stoked. Burn and uh, yeah, and and at whoever was sponsoring uh, Josh at the time too. So it was a mixed budget. We rented the city for twenty eight hours. Woo. So it's like two weeks, two hours minimum a day. And we're at ABA, so we're in the middle of Thompson's Pass in the RV. And the only thing we got to do is, you know, fly and film and shred and learn, right? And so. The first few days, we're not flying, so the time is accumulating. I think by the time we flew, we had eight or ten hours to burn. And so we're like, all right, well, it's our first time here. Let's go shred. And uh, Terry and Dave Downing had told me to go to warm-up on the wall, which was a big run for a warm-up. I had no idea. Like, we're like, hey, guys, can we go to the wall and take a warm-up run? They're like, <laughs> what <laughs> in the valley of the dust the wall like we're like yeah <laughs> and so they took us actually on the right next to the wall just to do safety check you know the snow safety so we rode this thing that was already like you know the craziest thing i've ever ridden on at that point <laughs> and now they're like oh that that wasn't the wall this is the wall we're like oh okay let's go so we get to the top of that and uh and then everybody's just kind of looking down. You can see straight down, probably 2,000 vert, all the way down, spines. And it's, it's the wall like was written by Noah Selassnick in one of the mm. standard movies, like the pink light, you know, super featurey, big, lots of slough. So basically it was like, you can't stop. You got to go to the bottom. And uh, we sent Adam Moran first. <laughs> you sent Adam first? Yeah, we're like... <laughs> Well, considering that she'll be uh, taking a lot of photos and we'll get to ride a lot, why don't you just take this run? You know? It's yours, buddy. <laughs> Enjoy it. He was stoked, though, and he rode it well, and that was awesome, and that kind of started the whole trip. And next thing we know, we filmed, like, you know, maybe two handfuls of runs, maybe seven or eight runs that we filmed. They all made the movie, and we... Took, I think, something like 65, 67 free runs. <laughs> wow. Something like that. And it was epic. That was the best Alaska trip ever because we were just there to film. But at the same time, we had all that any time and we're friends and we're all learning. And so that was part of the progress and we just sent it. That's a lot of heli time. That was so fun. Also, respect to Moran yeah. for being the first one down a spicy the wall for yeah, like, sure. Yeah, I got this. Even though for you sure. guys are puckered up there too. <laughs> oh yeah, we're all just like, who's gonna go, Adam? You should go for that one. You know, like we'll be riding the next few. You know, with you taking a, you know, enjoy this one, bud. <laughs> Tell us how it was. 
That's it's awesome. like sending stony buds down from first. Love it. Yeah, 8K, man. That scares that scares me. It just seems like it's so easy to lose your life out there. I mean, there's it's big mountain terrain. It's definitely consequential. And um definitely you gotta give it the respect that it deserves. And you can never know enough in backcountry snowboarding. It's very important to uh be trained and to know and to keep wanting to learn. The minute you're down, it's when it slaps you, you know. And when you get cocky, it's like, oh yeah, I got this. Or, you don't get comfortable. Gonna trust get you. Guys. And Alaska is big, and the slough is real, and it's uh, there's a lot of dangers. But you know, at the same time, most of the riders that get to go to ride Alaska um, do have calculate like ride with calculated risk. You know, it's always a risk in a helicopter or in the backcountry. But you get to prepare yourself for it. You know, you, you carefully choose your line and you know where you're going to turn. You anticipate the slough to do this. And what if there's an avalanche? Then where do you go? Do you point it? Do you get on that island of safety? What do you do? You know, so there's a lot of preparation usually. But it doesn't always go as planned. Like I've realized in last March... That was in Alaska, but it was Alaska-style terrain. And, yeah, it's just you take the wrong turn, things can be bad. So every turn is calculated and should be. Um, you should never go down a blind run in Alaska because there's huge cliffs, huge ice chunks. You, you, know, you, you want to be prepared. I always think about that clip of uh, Gigi launching, like, all the way over the entire face in one of the absinths. Yeah, that's that happens. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> that happens. Because <laughs> also, like, sometimes it's like you look at it from across the valley or into a helicopter. So the cliff you're looking at, thinking it's 20 feet, could be 50. A wind lip like Gigi, like, he was probably thinking, oh, I'll go, like, you know, 50 feet down that thing. And he goes 150. And he probably didn't even try to do it. It just happened, right? Because he's coming with speed and it's just steeper than he thinks and just, whoa. Yeah, that's crazy. I like how you said the slough is real. The slough is definitely <laughs> real. So we've been talking a lot about uh, riding powder contests. We talked about, you know, you grew up riding half pipe contests, slope style, and now we have the natural selection. How do you feel about the current state of contests? And also, how do you feel about the natural selection? I really think that what Travis and that crew is doing with natural selection is like it's where snowboarding needed to be at as far as competitive snowboarding, in my taste. Um, the way that they're, they're doing it for freestyle backcountry snowboarding is, is really cool. Um, I really appreciate that. Uh, just, I, I was watching it from, from Costa Rica the last two years, and it was so awesome to... To watch, like I mean, the way it's also filmed with the drones and the speed drones, and then the way it was put together, I really totally enjoyed it. Um, I think that there's definitely it's, it's great that the women and the men are both in the same terrain and doing doing it and getting to push each other, and and then you know essentially like one has to go first. And then he gets a bigger canvas of like what are the options, and then you know they determine that with some other contests, and then I think that's pretty cool as well. And then the second guy and the third guy, and then 
um so that kind of like brings it back to like how it is when we were filming uh, because one has to go first test the speed test the jump know how the snow is you know and then so there's all those elements into it that makes it like for me very interesting um the other type of competition i think people are getting pretty creative as well like there's like the game of snow you know that's just been happening i think that's pretty cool it also pushes creativity and and uh progress and and all that stuff um i you know at some point i really did enjoy watching those real snow and those those video parts uh with the x games things i thought that was also pretty cool because people had more time to and more um they they would put all their dedication into it and their passion and their style um i like that uh, other than that i haven't followed that much the the rest of the snowboarding circuit that i know there's a lot um and you know there's there's a yeah there's all those um Yeah, there's women competition, men's competition now coming together as you know equal pay at at least at the natural selection. Uh, I think that's great because women's snowboarding really went off the last few years. I really have so much respect for the for that. You know, it's great to watch. What do you think about you know the rotations in slope style? They're getting up to twenty one hundred, I believe, something like that, give or take a degree or two, but. Uh, And we're getting to the twenty ones here. Uh, for like, I feel like in your in your day it was like ten was like kind of we're we're yeah. we're getting up there, right? Yeah, ten eighty was a good spin, and it was already a big spin. You know, I I, I mean that's almost like to me like yeah twenty one sixty or like quadruple cork and like all this stuff is just kind of mind-boggling to me like it it's it's crazy it's cool it's not there's not that much style element into it i don't think i i, I mean some people make it styly but i think the way the competition is now and in, in that respect is like okay well you know you know what you need to do to win that that uh, that kind of takes away the personality and the style of someone uh because you need to do a 12 six, like a 2160 otherwise you're not even making finals now so i would much rather see a switchback five method like torgan or like you know a sweet front seven tail grab like you know those guys are you know throwing so that's i think for me that's why I, uh, the natural selection i like it better because they'll do nines and and sevens and fives all stally and and that's that you know it counts you can make it you can win you know so very very well explained um now i'd like to get into you just talked about you know early in the show you talked about your back and your injuries and your road recovery <coughs> and i know that your road recovery hasn't just been like physical but it's been also kind of spiritual to a degree like you've done a lot of self-help we'll call it um from plant medicines to meditation to all those types of things in that space we'll call it the crunchy space i like to call it crunchy <laughs> so uh in the crunchy space uh what do you, what have you found to be kind of beneficial for you uh in life in that little path you've been taking yeah well through the recovery um of this injury this neck injury um 
I feel like I've really tapped into some practices that I had learned previously the last couple of years since I moved to Costa Rica. I took part of this men's training called Omani, and um, that's when the journey started, I think. I wanted to make change with myself and get some transformation going and um, become a better person. We constantly have to learn, and that's what a human experience is, is learning and constantly, so I really enjoy that. And so I wanted to dig deeper into, you know, what are the practices that are available for us to get to that space. And so I learned about meditation and about, you know, deep breathing and going from um, from the fight or flight to the more theta wave length and where it's more like that allows it's it's you know it's kind of like when you're like stress 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 or like always just trying to hold on to the feeling you get right before you go to sleep or right before after you wake up that wavelength as we are all energy um is 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 where it's at for um that's where I find out that's 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 where the magic happens. That's when you can manifest what you truly want. Um, and so those are the practices I learned. Uh, yoga, I dove deeper into yoga, it, uh, not just for the physical aspect and uh, stretching, but more the connection between our body and our, our soul and our spirit. That really helped, helped me. Um, and then... And then, you know, just kind of learning how to heal ourselves. Like the human body is so amazing if you think about it. You know, subconsciously we're breathing. Our heart is pumping blood. Uh, there's all those responses uh, that happen in the neurosystem. And, then, you know, our kidney is doing its job and our liver is doing its job. So th- those are all subconscious action that happens. And you don't even have to think about it. But there's also other subconscious action that happens because of, you know, what you were exposed to all your life, you know, kind of like reaction of like, oh, some, you know, somebody cut you off driving and you react like, whoa, what the hell, you know, that's a reaction that's subconscious almost, you know, if you had the choice, if you take the choice, you'd probably be like, well, I don't need to flip that person off, like, I don't know that person. What if she's a crazy one? And maybe I was the one in the wrong in the first place, you know? Then so with you, consciously, you can take better decision. So I think like throughout this whole journey that, you know, when I got injured, it just put me back in, more in the moment of like, hey, you, we all human have the choice. And that comes back to it. We have the choice to think positive, act positively, or think negatively and act negatively, and therefore, all oh, the world is gonna gonna manifest, gonna revolve, or gonna become reality from those thoughts, those actions, those reactions. Um, so, breaking my neck was great. <laughs> Sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really crazy. <laughs> but it was very scary because I was that close to being paralyzed or even maybe I could have died. But at the end of the day, it gave me the time to, to really tap into some of the practices, which I could call like 
you call them crunchy, I call them maybe the an- ancient practices, the ancient, sacred, ancient, ancient yeah. sacred practices. Yoga is part of it. And then just the help of like, we mentioned plant medicine. Well, it is, it is nature, nature's medicine. You know, it comes from plants or roots or, you know, practices that's been happening for 10,000 years more. Uh, it's a brew or it's a, po- it's a, it's a poison from a frog or it's, it's you know, it, it depends where it is. It grows in the nature and it's also carried on with vibration, music, songs, um, all that, all that helps, it helped me, anyways, it helped me um, get back to, my, to me, to know what I need, how I feel, um, how I want to feel, or I want to be in this world, I want to help people, I want to help myself, I want to love myself, I want to love, love people, and um, so that helped me, and that helps you heal, for sure. And then, you know, there's the physical eating, there's the emotional eating, there's all that stuff, you know. So that definitely helped me. Um, and, and also, just like on the, on, the, on the bigger picture, you know, like I feel like I understand more where other people are coming from um, by understanding where I'm coming from. Then I have more... Um, patience and more understanding on everybody else and um and so then i can react accordingly i can take a the better choice and so i choose to be healthy and i choose to live with in love and gratitude and uh for me that works and that what fast track my healing i think the practice of gratitude is 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 something that um really worked for me but I, I also feel like it's it's i've always practiced that but like consciously practice that like on the daily and really knowing like what i'm what i am grateful for in my life like what am i satisfied with and and um and on that note i i, I could say right now like what another thing that's really helped me is um is the support of the community of snowboarding and um, my friends, my family. Uh, you know, when you say, like, I'm sending you healing vibes, well, you are. You know, this is a vibe. It's a vibration. It's a frequency. You're saying it. You're feeling it. I'm feeling it. And so I really did feel the support and love from the community. And when we, um, because of the fact that I, you know, I was in Costa Rica for too long and it, I, Anyway, my insurance ran off and we had some bills to pay. We put a fundraiser together, a GoFundMe, and we raised our goal to pay for medical expenses and ongoing treatments and all that. And that helped a lot. But I think not only the financial part, but the, f- the, the, the vibe and the support and love that I got. And that alone would have carried me through it. And so... To you, thank you, Chris, and your support with that. Thank you to everybody who contributed to that. That meant so much. Um, it paid for the for for the expenses, but really, what helped is that support that I could feel and the love and that that carried me on. Knowing that they took the time to care for you and put yeah their, their thought forward. 
the, the, and some support their thoughts and the support and that thing. you know there's people leaving messages and i was reading and i was able to you know feel it and and respond yeah. as well and and uh yeah just just all that just just that love and and just snowboarding the community of snowboarding is just amazing i feel like there's um everybody has each other's back and then when somebody has a challenge then we're supporting them and i felt that support very much so you know so um i'm so grateful to be part of snowboarding it's just it's just so it's too much That's so cool. <laughs> and there's a lot of really cool things you just said in that um uh a you know it's really cool to see our community rally for our people right that was cool that you got to uh, that our that our community backs you and every and we are a community and it's it's cool to see everybody step up and we love that. Um, and, and what I was hearing, listening to your uh, healing process, which is really interesting, is that you know there's it was like a combination of like Western and Eastern or Western ancient medicines in a sense. And I think that that's really it's really cool when you, when you look, sometimes I shit on the American medical situation because I feel like they overprescribe pills to people and they, they, uh, I, I have a hard time with that. I really, I really don't think that, uh, everything needs, that's just my own personal thing. But when, what I love how you, but I also can't discredit these doctors. You fucking broke your, your neck and they fixed it. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, and, exactly. It's and, a mix ex- like you're saying. And so these, these incredible doctors, we're able to take your broken body, put it back together like a fucking carpenter, which is insane, you know? And then, and then, then in addition, you're just, so you take that side of it and then you say, I'm also going to, I'm going to attack this thing from all angles. I think that's a really powerful, inspiring message of healing is like attacking it from all angles. There isn't just one way to, to attack this, this uh, personal journey that you're on of recovery, both, personal spiritual and physical yeah i mean the, yeah exactly like you said like they put a titanium plate and some screws and they fixed me and it worked out uh, and then you know the other aspect is you got to believe that right you got to know and feel and believe that that's helping you that's going to fix you and trust that was practitioner which i did and then additionally to that then you got to find um what those beliefs are and what's going to work for you moving forward in your recovery. For me, there was a couple of people that came into my life that was like, you're never going to do what you're doing again. Are you done now with snowboarding? You're never going to be able to surf again. And I'm just like, Jeez. I'm not even going to listen to that. That's, that's not my belief. I will do everything again. And I might even do it stronger. Who knows? I have more knowledge. But like, that's the key of it is, I think it's the belief. It's what you think about all that, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, and for me, like, you know, I didn't want to take painkillers because I know that for me, painkillers, like, like the crazy stuff is just a dark energy that's not working for me. Like it never did and it never will. So I opted into more like, you know, CBD and the gummies, the THC CBD gummies. I would wake up in the middle of the night and take that instead of any other thing. To me, that worked better, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, and I believed it did, so it did. And that's the, that. I love that uh, the believe it works. It works. I, I heard an analogy uh, that I think is like really how powerful the brain is in regards to people that are allergic to roses uh, might walk by a plastic rose 
and have an allergic reaction. Ah, I've heard that. And so essentially what I feel is those happening is they're looking at it. Oh, I'm allergic to that. Let's trigger the allergic reaction. I believe I'm really, it's a plastic rose. That thing does not, there's yeah. nothing there. Right. And so, uh, and, and so there's so many of these studies of, you know, giving people, you know, green, green dyed juices and telling them that the, the juice is some super powerful healing juice and they drink it and their, their levels of health are measurably go up and things like that. And it's like, if you believe it works, it works, you know, and there's a doctor, another example, uh, they, they interviewed a, a doctor about skateboarding and snowboarding and it was about using substances while riding or skating and they were asking a doctor, Buds, what's going on with that? Oh, sorry, he's trying to scratch. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're asking a doctor basically what um, you know, what is going to help me skating. Some people believe that weed helps them skate better. So and and the doctor basically said, well, if they believe that it helps them skate better, then it helps them skate better. It's whatever you believe. And I thought that placebo. was like, placebo. Yeah, effect, and that that it, it the is power the placebo of the mind. Effect, yeah. yeah, and inversely, when they tell you. Hey, you're never going to be able to skateboard again. And you take that doctor, you go, this guy went to medical school. He knows all this stuff. He told me I'm never going to be that. Well, that's, he's, he's right. And if he tells you that you can't snowboard again, he's also right. Yeah. Right? But my advice is if somebody tells you that, you go get another doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and then they tell you again, again, go get another doctor until that opinion or that whatever they're telling you is what you believe lines or what you want. Then you then rely on it. Otherwise, it's like, Okay, thank you. No, but I'm gonna do my own thing. I know it's gonna work. You know the placebo effect. The placebo you said. effects proves that the mind is stronger than the medicine. Maybe absolutely. Like in the war, good. right? Like yep. they they ran out of medicine. Yeah, and they give them this tablet. <laughs> they injected uh, water with sugar, telling the patient Morphine. that they, it was the same. They all healed the same way. Like they thought they were getting getting medicine, they didn't, but they still healed up. So it's crazy. It just lets you know the mind is very powerful. Very powerful. Taps into some crazy stuff. It's powerful if you're positive, and it's powerful if you're negative. Yeah. You go downhill quick. And we all know that guy that has that dark cloud around him because he's so negative, and you right. just want to be like, dude, be positive. And you feel it when people walk into the room. You feel their energy. You know, it's it's that same thing. Yeah, like, someone that's always down on something, you're gonna feel that negative, thick energy. It's interesting. Yeah, positives infectious as well. They're all, yeah, they're all. What do you think about? All right, let's just while we're on this, because this this stuff's fascinating to me. I'm sorry if you aren't interested. Who gives a shit? People. So, are so, so, what do you think about like the trapped negative energy manifesting as disease in the body? Like, uh, yeah, I, I I believe that it's definitely a factor because. Um, when you are angry, when you are fearful, when you are ungrateful, when you are, you know, when you have, when you're thinking negatively all the time and everything's frustrating, well, since, we, since all of it is energy, you're vibrating at a lower energy. And so when you do that, then your body is also not feeling at its full potential, it's 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 then creating a illness or disease or it essentially just um, kind of like gets your immune system to lower to to be less effective because you're putting all that bad frequency into it. And the other way around, when you 
feeling love and you're feeling uh, compassion and you're feeling like you're at the right place, the right time, then you can also, you know, pretty much up your immune system and up your, your health, you know, and that's definitely, I really believe that that's, that can, that's true. Um, for sure. There's a guy that did a study where he put jars or cups of water around a house and was super negative to one, like said bad things. Yeah. And that water gets all like nasty where yeah. the positive water stays clean and clear. Yeah. And like organized and like, um, the vibrations or something, the molecules change, the, the molecules the change. Yeah. yeah. And you're, we are made of 80%, 90% water. water so yeah. if you think about that concept, your molecules changing depending on what you think about yourself, the words you say about yourself, but also the way you act, the way you're speaking, the way you're thinking. Yeah, or a father putting down his son nonstop. You know, that's going to just yeah, I be mean, a negative thing for that poor kid. Yeah, and yeah, and in that same regard, you know, um, music is is a very important part of healing, I think. You know, people use... Um, Tibetan Sound bowl bowls, or yeah. drums or, you know, even just like, oh, that's one thing I forgot in my healing. I actually, for eight hours a night for two months, I listened to a certain frequency, a certain vibration music. For eight hours? Yeah, all night. All night long. Just next to me. It, sometimes in headphones if I was sleeping, if, no, if somebody was there that didn't want that music. Like Megan liked it, so she also pretty much listened to it a lot. Yeah. But if my kids were there, I would put headphones, and um, and so I think that really helped because, in that sense, those those vibration, those frequency, they're healing ones. They're like higher vibrations, and um, and I guess each part of your body has a certain vibra- frequency that uh, it's helpful to, for their for their their health, you know, and the regeneration of your. Of your molecules, just like the water. Yeah, it's so cool that people actually take the time to study this stuff. That's mm-hmm. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and if you're looking for a sound bath in Salt Lake, hit up uh, at Heal with Lee on Instagram. That's my partner. She does those things. They're great. Uh, so <laughs> I had to do a quick plug. <laughs> but uh, another thing, just staying on the subject, too, is thinking about, like, uh, you know, let's just take alcoholics, for example, right? It's an interesting one, too, because a lot of times, you know, you'll see – why why can somebody go out and have a couple beers and shut it down and why can somebody just they just can't keep getting out of their way their own way every time they drink right we all see maybe we've been through it maybe we have a friend or loved one that's been through it but you can see there's some people that just alcohol is not for them and there's a lot of different ways it could be you could be allergic you could be you know genetics you could have bad genetics but i i also believe a huge part of that is is like trapped trauma in your body that you're coping that you never dealt with or you know there's things there's things in there's something in there deep that's yeah. driving you that wants you to mask that emotion via drugs or alcohol um and and uh a lot of times these these powerful you know medicines or or breath breathing or all those things you're describing can help you kind of release some of that right absolutely yeah i believe that for sure a lot of it, um, just like you mentioned, is probably, you know, um, it could be from your environment or your past. Um, it, could, it could also be that humans are, they like their suffering. They, they, they kind of like, 
they're used to it and it's kind of like that's what's that's kind of like they want to go back to that instead of dealing with the the issue like like you said they want to maybe some people want to mask it or like um so they don't face it you know so at the end of the day is like you know everybody has the choice but are you going to be the the prey or are you going to be the lion chasing the prey you know are you going to you know your shadow is always going to be following you until you turn around and face it so in some way it's like it's up to anyone um everybody has the choice we're all humans and everybody has their issues and everybody has their successes and so you know um but i do think that um yeah a lot of those practices and breathing even is very it can really be helpful for you know to face those traumas and then recover from them or at least learn about yourself and get back to your true self which is at the end we're like we're all love you know oh man there there's that i love this conversation i i think that it's interesting when you talk about these things because it we are all wired we're all wired the same we every human is wired to like you know i think i think it comes from back when we were living in the woods eating you know sticks and shit and like whatever we you know before we had all this civilization we were just like you know crawl like we, we were always scanning looking for problems and trying to solve them because there might be a freaking lion trying to eat us now there are no problems realistically we have our food we have our water there are big socioeconomic problems but there's not problems and then uh you know there there's there's no real issues in our life you know we might have things here or there but so we we might even create problems there might not be a problem but we create a problem because that's just the society we live in and i just think it's so fascinating to think that like these problems have been happening for so long since like ancient ancient times humans have been have been dealing with these same issues and since ancient ancient times there's been these plant medicines and there's been stoic writings and there's been all this stuff and it's so comforting to know like we internalize it. i used to internalize it like i'm the only person going through this man like i don't want to talk about it it's like guess what we're all fucking going through it let's just like talk it's oh you had you had an issue as a child something happened to you okay that sucks i'm sorry but so did a lot of other people and and you get there's strange comfort in that right yeah absolutely and so. the same issue a hundred years ago yeah exactly yeah, yeah. It's that, like you that, look yeah. back through history it's like oh not only has this happened to me and these people but 2000 years ago mm-hmm. yeah it does feel good like i mean we are all humans and <coughs> uh we all are experiencing traumas or joy and we all have choices and that's kind of like the bottom line everybody's got the choice to to, to know how they feel maybe not of their uh, bringing or you know those type of things but at least you always have a choice to feel a certain way and you, every moment you can decide that all right i'm going to write a new contract now with myself and i'm going to do better okay no i fuck up again that's fine start over it's a new moment right new choice man great great knowledge you're dropping bombs over here DCP, we so really don't be too hard it. on yourself, huh? You can write that new contract and start fresh. Always like that. Yeah, that negative voice is such a toxic thing. When it's you know the things that we say to ourselves, or at least the things I've said to myself, are so fucking mean. 
<laughs> you'd never say them out loud to anybody, but you're like, but it's nice to be. But kind. you'll say it to yourself. But it's then I've as I've gotten older, I've been I've been more kind to myself, and I think yeah. that helps a lot. That's good. Because when you love yourself, when you're kind to yourself, then it you can be kind to others and love others, right? It starts with you. Yeah, if you don't love yourself, you're gonna be that mean person, maybe. Inversely, inversely though, that's the thing is when when you get a mean or hateful comment from somebody, somebody's ripping you to shreds. Oftentimes, it's not about you. It's about them. The person that's ripping you to shreds is probably not doing well themselves. Yeah, so they're lashing out. I'm gonna make this guy feel not well too. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and talk to you guys about Bubs Naturals and the products that they offer. The first one we're gonna talk about is their apple cider vinegar gummies. What's the deal with these things, Jones? Well, I'm a candy addict, so these actually replace that for me. So I'm pretty stoked on it for that. And my gut feels pretty good afterwards as well. Perfect. Well, they also have their collagen, which we talk about all the time. And they also have MCT oil powder. What the hell is this stuff, Jones? I've been using that a little less, but it's coconut based. Um, Again, really good gut health. Kind of evens things out when you're eating all crazy. Maybe some, you know, crazy Mexican street burrito or something. Helps there, and then uh, mental focus in the day gives you a nice little brain bump. Okay, I heard a little rumor that they're either offering hydration packs now or available soon. Any word about that? There is word about that. I have heard about them. I have not yet had them, but I'm super looking forward to it. Hydrate or die? I mean, come on, son. Perfect. Well, if you're interested in picking up some Bubs Naturals products, head on over to bubsnaturals.com and use promo code BOMBHOLE, one word, for 20% off your next purchase. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Granite Towers Equity Group. It's Dan Breezy's company. He was episode 71 of the bomb hole. He's a friend of the show. And if you're looking to invest some money, he's got a great company for you. So here's a couple words from Dan. What's up, everybody? Dan Breezy here with Granite Towers Equity Group here to talk to you a little bit about investing. During my snowboarding career, I made some pretty stupid investments and put a lot of my money in IRAs and life insurance policies. And I soon realized these investments were not going to move the needle. So in 2017, we founded Granite Towers Equity Group, where we buy multifamily apartments. We come in and add value to every deal we buy by upgrading the property's interior and exterior, and you can invest right alongside us. You don't have to go out and learn it all and manage your deals and become a professional investor. We've raised just under $100 million in equity and have 2,100 units under management in the Dallas, Texas, and Nashville, Tennessee market. And we invest in every deal we buy. Every single deal will have skin in the game. So direct message me today on Instagram to learn more. My Instagram name is at Dan Breezy. That's at D-A-N-B-R-I-S-S-E. Or send me an email, dan at granitetowersequitygroup.com. Thanks. All right, is it time for the pub beer crab sheet? It's bud? time, bud. It Crack is some time. can. Woo. How is it? It's delicious. You know what else it is? It's cheap and it's fun. It's cheap fun beer is what it is. If you're thinking about getting freaking annihilated, get some pub beer responsibly. Here we go. Or have three. Welcome to the pub beer crab shoot. All right, you got to roll some dice. Two dice, my friend. Nice. All right. Goon gear is a six. What am I looking for? Whatever you want. I mean, there's they're all pretty good questions. Not a five. Questions, okay. <laughs> Not a five. Five. There's uh Is that a goon gear? Yeah. 
So we got a 10. Perfect 10. Gun gear and four. Gun gear and four is a 10. Okay, perfect 10. What's the biggest prize check you've ever won? I guess we talked about that, but do you remember how much money it was? Three million yen, which I think it was. What's, what's the conversion 20, on that at the time? At that time, I think it was closer to like 25 grand. Nice. 25K. Yeah, something like that. That's it. Wow. And that's in the prize money. And then it's a check to be proud of. Yeah, super stoked. Did you have a match incentive, contest incentive? Yeah, they, uh, not match, but there there was more to it, yeah. So that 25 turned into a, a bigger sum. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I was very lucky on that one. But, um, yeah, very grateful. Um, along the lines of being a founder, you're a founder of Yes Snowboards, and you're also a founder of CB Days, right? Yeah, that's right. Let's talk about CB Days. Sounds great. And also, I mean, we were talking about eating. Like, to me, um, CBD is, is eating. Is, is like, that's the reason why um, we started this brand in the first place. It's like to fight uh, the opioid crisis that's present, that a lot of people are hooked on those Percocets or those um, other, other, like, opioids pills that they give you for as painkillers when you get an injury or like a surgery all that and in snowboarding skateboarding surfing that happens a lot like we send it until we hit then we get injured then we get better then we go again right so along those the way then it happens that people can get addicted to those opioids and it's not it's not good for anyone so for us we started cb days to create an alternative, an LT alternative natural remedy, uh, you know, that is based with the CBD. CBD is a compound of the cannabis sativa plant. Uh, it's a non-psychoactive compound, uh, THC being the psychoactive one. CBD doesn't get you high, you know. It's, it's more of a ter- therapeutic and more of an like anti-inflammatory, uh, anti-anxiety, pain reliever, you know, at least that's what I feel it is, and that's what it does for me. Um, everybody's different. Everybody's body is different, but that's what we concentrate our, ourselves with. So we have a cream. It's like a rub, rub and cream with camphor and menthol and CBD to it. We, have, uh, we now have like the new very potent one, the 5,000 milligram for a uh, four-ounce jar, uh, which is like almost... Yeah, twice more than twice uh, more potent than the, uh, the other one, the two thousand milligram, one of the highest potency in the industry right now. We believe that it really helps with uh, you know to you rub that on a sore muscle or sore lower back, neck, you know ankles. Then you know the next day or the next session you're back on. So that's kind of that's our rockstar product. And we can say, and we also provide uh, tincture. Um, with some other elements in it besides from the compound of CBD. Um, we have a, a GABA in one of them and that facilitates um, relaxation and helps with, it could help with, uh, for some people, for sleeping uh, or just getting out of your head and stop stressing, you know. Um, then we have some, uh, so the texture is used, you know, some by some people in their tea, their coffee, uh, just as a as a drop like that, and uh, it's not a cure all. You know, it's not a one time deal with that. It's more like uh, you adapt that in your lifestyle, and you in your, it's a supplement. 
So you take a supplement for a month, it's going to help you. You know, so we believe that um, CBD and, you know, with our brand CB Days, uh, we can create better days for you. That's our slogan, but that's also the reason why we're doing it. It's so that you're able to go back out there faster, quicker, and you can do it more. You know, like we talked about earlier in this podcast, you know, uh, it's addictive to go back, to go snowboarding and, and keep pushing yourself and jumping off the ledge and all that. But sometimes you get injured. Sometimes you get sore. Sometimes you overdo it. So for us, for me, for Frank Bourgeois, who's another founder, um, and all, all the other ambassador riders that have test dri- driven those products, that's, that's what we like about it. You know, it gets us back out there faster and it helps with pain. Absolutely. I, ca- I got some in my desk. You guys came through for Bombhole Cup, which was awesome and uh, supported. And then I got the I got the the rub, uh, which kicks ass. And I just throw the tincture under my tongue. I, got keep, I keep it in my desk. That's awesome. I got you more. Oh, there it is. More so, tincture. Yeah. So this one is the black one. It's the one that I've GABA for help with uh, sleep aid. Merci. And I uh, got you guys more of the cream. The cream, the 2000 milligram. Cream in the crop. And this is the one that's like, oh, yeah. Already just oh, smelling yeah. it makes me, makes me not sore. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like it an icy. Uh, it feels like icy hot when you put it on. Like it's got that vibe where it's doing something. I got you some. Nice got shit. you some as well. Merci beaucoup Merci for the re-up. Beaucoup. Here's some re-up right here. Re-up. What's the white one? Uh, so that's the one that's more like uh, for your daily use. Gotcha. You know, like more like in the daytime. I can smell the uh, icy hot like you were talking on the cream. Yeah, because you, know you opened. You know what? The, 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 that one's good for like, all right, you go snowboarding. You tomahawk hard. You got a sore neck. I'm rubbing this thing on the neck. That's right, the move. Right on after. Oh, that. absolutely. And you know, honestly, like when I okay, so when I broke my neck, I had a collar for seven weeks, and so I didn't really take it off even for showering. I would just like keep it on, and then my wife or my mom helped me replace it, you know, with the new pads. But after a while, when it was a little bit more stable, say a month, a month in, or even as soon as I could. Um, when they were changing it, then they will put that on as well and then put the color back. And I, I think that really helped as well, just like the localized uh, CBD cream on the injury, you know, to get the swelling down and then get the blood pumping. So, yeah, so like very honored to be part of that brand, CB Days, and for everybody that supports us. And, uh, you know, it, it feels good because... It's part of the mission. It's helping our community and helping uh, the action sports community, not just snowboarding, skateboarding, or surfing. Or it's for everyone, you know. And and for us, that's is that's our goal: is to be helpful and to help and uh, people so that people can feel better and and then have fun. Amazing. Where can people find this stuff? Where can they pick it up? Well, we have uh, it in certain stores uh, around Colorado, Utah, and the U.S. It's all, it's just in the United States right now. Uh, also at cbdays.com. So cbdayz.com. You can buy it online there. Can you order it under other countries if you go online or just USA? Uh, you know, it's 
it's basically just USA okay. at this moment. And uh, if you if you know we get a discount for you guys, you get a bomb old thirty. You'll get thirty percent discount. Ooh, thirty coming in heavy. There you go. It's perfect. You're gonna get. What's gonna happen is you're gonna go up there. You're gonna aggressively bomb hole. Yeah, you're gonna bomb hole. And gonna then happen. you're gonna be like, "Damn it! I need that thirty percent off code right now." And while you're in the bomb hole, in the backcountry lane, you can actually hop on your phone and you can order some CB days, and you get thirty percent off. So and that's it's a perfect. That's a nice discount to get this yeah. product. Yeah, absolutely. Going. And it's you know it's uh, basically based in Colorado, out of State Bridge, Colorado. Um, and so that's where it's mixed. That's where it's shipping from. And, uh, and so Colorado is kind of like the somewhat of the birth of it. You know, we have a lot of stores there. We're in dispensaries, we're in snowboard stores. Um, and then Utah has some in Provo. We, we have a retailer in Provo, potentially in Crossroads and Ogden. And, uh, you know, this whole thing is, uh, is growing and, you know, it's, it's slow growth, but at the same time, the right people get get to hear about it, get to try it, and it works for them, and then, therefore, they recommend it to their friends or family. So, um, you know, it works for real. I mean, for the people, from what we hear, uh, it, it does work well. So that's, that's, what, uh, that's what it's all about. Smells good, too. Love it. Love it. Well, let's get into hot takes, DCP. Uh, we're going to dive right in. We do it every episode. We like to ask who the MJ and or Michael Jordan or GOAT greatest of all time for you, both male and female, like who's your who's your goat? For me, it has to be Terry Hawkinson. Um, I grew up watching him snowboard. I was always super inspired by him. Um, and then he became a friend, and I got even more inspired. And then uh, and then he's still going. You know, um, for me, is definitely the goat of snowboarding. And I would say, you know, if I have to pick another one, it was like Travis Rice probably is. I mean, he's leading the way now in, in, in the progressive progression of snowboarding by, you know, doing that tour, but also he always have the project that just seems to be so innovative. And so both those guys, I'd say, in the male's part and in the female, um, they, I, I, I think that, you know, there's girls like Barry Christie that's still involved in the in the snowboarding industry the way she is you know she's team manager or marketing director at Mervin or at GNU, GNU yeah. um and and i think in that sense you know she could be a goat uh my wife megan she d- uh she did a lot in snowboarding um she doesn't snowboard that much anymore but she's still also involved with boarding for breast cancer in the industry and giving back to the community so I'd say, you know, um, those are my favorite. Maybe I'm biased a little bit. <laughs> that's a great answer. I think that's a Love great it. answer. Uh, Megan is goaded for sure. Uh, next question we'd like to ask, best style ever. Who you got? Oh, man. Um, I always love watching, like, Gigi. Gigi Roof style is always one of my favorite. Um, and I, I would say Nicholas Muter, actually. Um, is I really like his style. Always so, so styly. <laughs> <laughs> Very styly. Kids got style. Great answers. Okay, uh, who's the most underrated in your eyes? Who do you think's most underrated? Right now, like I'm not. 
I don't that I I kind of disappeared in the jungle for the last two years. I'm sure like <laughs> I'm sure like some of the from guys from the jungle standpoint right now. You know it's for that you, are, it's from your um, your vision. You know from my vision. Yeah. Um, you know, one guy that I always thought was overrated. You know that underrated, could, underrated, underrated. Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> I was always like, I mean, you could say overrated too yeah. if you want, but no, let's no, start no. with underrated. Yeah, no, the underrated, like one guy in, in, throughout my career, somebody that I think could have make it a lot further because of his talent and the way it was was Gaetan Chanu. So gay, you know, film for Magda got a closing point in Shakedown, is and he had it, you know, and somehow sponsors were not back in, you know, back to maybe the Quebec name or something. He was dope. Y- or is dope. Definitely. You know who's another Quebecois that's underrated? Frank Bourgeois. Bourgeois. Oh, for sh- yeah, yeah, Frank. Yeah, Frank. but Gaetan's a great answer. Yeah, yeah. Gaetan's good. Yeah, I think Gaetan in my book, you know, because I'm, you know. Probably I come from that background and I see it, you know. But yeah, I would say he was one of them for yeah. sure. Another another Gaetan part. He filmed for you guys. Yeah, he wrote for Tech Nine. And and in uh, I believe it was General Pop, Gen Pop. I think Gen Pop. He had yeah. a banger part to Danzig. Yes, uh, that part always sticks Danzig. out to me. But yeah, Gaetan, great great answer. Doesn't okay. get talked about enough on the show. Yeah. Okay, uh, I think I know the answer to the next one, but um, rails slash steel or powder? Powder. Imagine if he I said. Imagine, imagine if he said. Imagine if he said rails. Uh, okay, favorite board graphic ever. That's difficult because I loved a lot of it. I like graphics that are, you know, art, you know, artwork graphics. Um, one of the most memorable one for me in the time that that you know that my career was like starting and you know in those years was probably like Mike Perillo's balance. Like one of Terry's model that was like, uh, like it was five different graphics put into one. It was a pair of eyes, and that, that for, to me, like that's the most iconic. There's been a lot of other great ones since, you know, um, but I that one I remember a lot. Um, also, kind of like the simplicity of those Atlantis board, even though there was not a lot to it. it Maybe just the era and uh, Ingemar and Daniel Frank and mm-hmm. that style, you know, I just, I like that. Uh, there was not a lot to it, but it was simple. And at that time, a lot there was a lot of loud graphic and they had the simplicity of it and the cleanness. Man, I really like that answer. Everybody always goes brushy fish, yeah. Courier sword, they whatever the usual, the usual suspects. suspects. Those are like very thoughtful Different graphics. I remember the Atlantis ones too. That's great. Yeah, and at the time, they were unique and special. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could go heliboarding with three people, just for fun, which it sounds like you've done, actually. Yeah, this guy's, but this hypothetically, guy's you haven't 20, lived. 28 it. hours on a trip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, who are you taking? Who's going on the good times? <sighs> Hell yeah. yeah. Like right now, if tomorrow we'll go, I'd, I'll bring my daughter, Lily. Give her that experience. I'll go with my wife, and then I'll pick Jerry Lopez to join us. Yes! <laughs> wow, good answer. I like that one. Great answer. Okay. Um, what about, we talk about the beaver slop on the show. When you're in the lift line and you whoops, smack your tail uh, in the in the lift line, are you pro or calm? What's your thoughts on the beaver slap? Um, yeah, I, I don't really have any comments on that one. Like, I, if somebody feels like they want to do that, then they can. And you're more of a take it or leave it type of guy, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not bothered by it. I'm not excited by it. 
Um, it's just kind of there. If there's it's snow on it. my tail, I'll I'll probably slap it right before I get on the lift or something. So you're down then. He's down for the slap. Yeah, okay. I can be down. Love it. He's kind of uh, he's uh, it's um, that that answers a lot like a post game interview yeah. where where they're like, um, uh, no comment at the moment. No comment at the moment. <laughs> but if I have to do it, I would. Yeah. <laughs> very. Uh, it's very media. Good media training good on that. Media training. Okay. So last question. Second time. Here. <laughs> yeah. It is. This is your second time around. Okay. Next question we ask is uh, worst trend. The worst trend in snowboarding. Sure. Uh, I, I, I'm not a big fan of like. Boots over tight pants, jeans while you're out snowboarding. First of all, it gets wet and probably snowy, and snow gets inside the boot. Not very practical. Not practical at all. Uh, and I know, I don't know. Whatever, what, whatever people like, actually, you know, they can rock with it. But that's definitely something I would not do. Okay. Well, they just don't know it could be a lot better if they didn't do it for their own sake, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's okay to have, like, tighter pants or tighter fit or whatever, but, like, the jeans yeah, inside jeans the boots, yeah, yeah I don't one. know. Tough one. Okay. Um, well, we like to know what's next for uh, DCP, a.k.a. Dave, which we coined earlier. Yeah, uh, Dave. What's next for, what's next for Dave? Uh, well, um, what's next? We're going to do some Canadian living for the next couple of few years while our daughter is doing high school, getting a driver license and... Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, something that um, I came to uh, from the last six months, last five months, you know, is is I, I truly want to um, come to a space where I can help and, and pass on some stuff I've learned. And so uh, I have started to facilitate uh, adventure trips. Um, so... So I've already hosted one in May. I'm hosting one in December, and I want to keep doing with more. Um, the the two ones that I'm hosting right now that is like for Crossroads Academy. It's out of Ogden, Utah, actually close to here. It's a substance abuse um, facility, and um, so I'm trying. What basically I'm putting adventures together in Costa Rica, British Columbia, places where we can include surfing, snowboarding, mountain biking, skateboarding, other type of activities, but also um, give tools or provide, um, I'd say, like different practices that maybe it will land for, for those people. Maybe they will pick up something from it, whether it's meditation or breathing or just even snowboarding, skateboarding, being in the moment, being in the flow, uh, if that, you know, if that will, you know, give them this, you know, a better, a better options than what they were doing prior. Um, so working into providing experiences, I think is what, where I'm going at. And I think that's what I want to do a lot of. Uh, I like to experience myself, but I like to also share with people. And so I think that would be a good one. And you've learned so much and done so much cool stuff. I feel like I've been very lucky to yeah. have all those experiences. And now I feel like I want to share and then um, have people experience some of this, those things. And I think anyone would be The lucky. DCP retreat. Yeah. 
Any yeah. any human would be lucky to have DCP with his positivity. Should, how do we do a do we do a bomb hole company DCP trip? Dude, let's go to Costa. Let's go. I'll put something just, together. Oh my just god! Good times with Dave. Yeah, good times with Dave. That's, that's, that's a good. That's, kinda, yeah. that's could be the company look, name. Yeah. <laughs> Find me on Instagram at Good Times with Dave. <laughs> good times with Dave. <laughs> yeah, Good Times with Dave's not a bad brand name. Not man. a bad name. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. how do I, how do how does one sign up for this hypothetical? Uh, like, uh, if people are listening, they're like. I want to do that. I want good times with Dave. I want. I want yeah. To well, do that. currently we I call it Perspective Adventures. That name's good. It's okay. It's yeah, right. I'm okay with I that mean, name. But uh, uh, I'm with cur- good times uh, with Dave, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean that can that can be the custom. You know, I might trip, buy the website you know? tonight. <laughs> perspective well, Adventures. Good time yeah, with I Dave think, with the ball ball. Perspective Adventures is a great That's name. A great but name. then you know you get your 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 slogan. Slogan. It's your slogan. Good times yes. with Dave. Totally. That works. Okay. So at this point, I'm working on this website. Um, currently, so soon it is going to be something. <laughs> uh, but uh, you can go on my Instagram, Chalula in the Hall. Love that one. <laughs> you know, we didn't get to do, <laughs> and then you can see me for uh, you know for. Uh, I had an epiphany one day that Chalula in the Hall has to do with eating avocado. Absolutely. And you pop out the uh, seed and you throw Chalula right in there. Bam! Chalula in the Hall. That's it. For uh, for years, I had no idea what your Instagram meant. That's exactly what and that is. And then one day I was eating an avocado and I was like, Cholula in the hall. Yes, exactly. Anyway, so, back so to the story. That, so why did you choose to make your Instagram handle Cholula in the hall? Because <laughs> it's a be- wonderful experience. Um, at the time, my, my sponsor at the time was like, oh, okay, so there's this new thing, Instagram, and it's social media, and you, you become your own creator, and you know we're gonna, you guys need to have one. You know, So we're like, all right. So Jan McIntosh, you know, Sage. They all had their name, and I was just like, I don't want just to put my name at DCP or at David, whatever. So I wanted something different. And I was actually with Temple Cummins at his house, and we're both, like, trying to find a name. And we were eating avocados with Chalula in there. And he he was Tube Steak Face. (laughs) At Tube Steak Face. That's a good one, too. Yeah. And then I was like, what am I going to be? I don't know. And we're like... Cholula in the hole. Well, in the hole. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, just we played with it. It's a great name. Yeah. And uh, and then Terry was Chocorump, and that means chocolate butt. Chocolate butt. Yeah. I know that's a fun I fact. didn't know that either. Yeah, so we yeah, so, so then it's kind of like, it was just kind of, Terry wasn't involved, but it was with Temp, and, you know, we, we just wanted something funny. And then I had the opportunity to change it many times, but I just figured, like, oh, whatever. Did it's, Temp, it's just did temp name. go with Tube Steak? He did for a while. He did. Yeah, he had that for a while. But he wasn't really active on it. But the name No, he good. became... He, I think he might have Temple Cummins now. I'm not exactly he went sure. right back to the old, yeah, s- old but, school where you just use your name. But that was pretty funny. You know, right, so, just, so let's go back to Good Times with Dave, yes. a.k.a. Perspective... <laughs> what's it called? Perspective Adventures. Perspective Adventures. Good Times with Dave just kind of sits okay, so, in the mind and well, stays. Well, we'll just like officially it. change the name. It's Well, it's Perspective Adventures slogan, Good Times with Dave. So back to, to how people can find you and sign up. So, yeah, you can uh, just, you know, for now, just uh, hit me up and follow Cholula in the Hole on Instagram. And then you'll see either a link in the bio where you can find a new website or just DM me for some information. Or you'll see posts about it and then I'll promote it through that channel. Awesome. And, I, and, uh, and then you're... you're your partner, uh, Megan, she does women's stuff too, kind of along those lines, or no? Is that just for B4BC? 
so Megan does organize. I mean, she's been in that business of retreat organization for years. She did some prior to working with Boarding for Breast Cancer. But now uh, she's done a lot of, of specific retreats, surfing, yoga, snowboarding for breast cancer survivors. But also she organizes a uh, mother-daughter retreat. Uh. And so that experience of connectiveness with the mom and the daughter, and she has one coming up in July, next July in Costa Rica, and they do amazing stuff, adventures. And it's very empowering for the mom and the daughter to live those things together, learn from each other. And like it's, it's really cool. I've actually attended to, as a helper the last one she held. And it was amazing to see all the little girls like the, just coming into, into themselves. Like, I can't believe I jumped off that cliff into the water. And then their mom jumps and is like, I can't believe you did that, mom. You know, it's just kind of like... It's really cool. Now, is there like a... Th that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, I was just thinking about these good times with Dave's experience that we <laughs> potentially are going to be doing. Uh, you know, is there hypothetically like a three-foot point break, like banky left? Yes. As part of this like good times with Dave? Yeah, actually. Um, maybe even two and a half feet. Yeah, maybe like two. Maybe even two. Yeah. yeah two is good. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah, there's going to be one for sure like that we're going to hit up Pavonas in Costa Rica. Pavonas have multiple breaks, and one of them is, you know, on the given swell. It's exactly what you're looking for. Okay, wow. perfect. Yeah. yeah, what about like a two-dude podcast running retreat, you know, like just like me and Buds? Yeah, man. we could. You guys could be the guest of honor, the facilitator. We can learn how to be funny. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can learn how to communicate we can do, I, I don't know if that's a skill you can teach I know you guys might do like ayahuasca But we can also do smelling salts, smelling salts. Have you ever yeah. done one? Uh -uh. Oh, here you go What it's, do you do with that? So you just squeeze it Here, buds, take one Snap too. it and sniff it This is also a spiritual experience. It is, it's very spiritual So just all you want to do is It's kind of your non-plant-based I'll, I'll show you exactly how to reference how to do it You give it a squeeze And you kind of want to work your way up Until it gets close to the nose Chris has a protec, oh. pro technique going. Oh, then He's you get a back little. For more. You're good. Yep. Woo. Jesus. <laughs> Woo. No, I don't. I don't like that. It doesn't smell natural, huh? That came right out of the <laughs> earth. That came right out of the ground. Too deep. <laughs> Woo. We actually grow that in the back. We do. We grow our own smelling salts. It's a plant medicine. <laughs> Yeah, you, you don't want that to come from the planet underneath your nail either. It kind of burns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, one thing we forgot to ask you is uh, your setups. What, what board do you rock, and what's your what's your setup? Uh, so I ride a Yes snowboards, um, and I have a model called the Piculine Unink, and it's a new shape actually. Um, that I mean, last year I rode it. Now it's coming out in September, or sooner than that, or whatever. Uh, it's going to be in the store right now. And uh, it's a directional board. Um, I am on a one, well, it's a little bit wider of a board. So I'm on a 157, uh, 156 actually. And it's a little wider. Um, it's not a twin board. It's a directional one. Really like it. Why, why the wider board? Because then I can go a little bit, smaller i used to ride the 159 for most free riding and things like that now i would go a little bit wider so i can shorten the the length 
so it's more maneuverable and at the same time there's more float and i don't have any toe drag or heel drag so i started to you know when we did the 420 with yes that one was like really short like 148 but 29 wide that was really wide but that's kind of was a start of like we you go shorter and wider and it works really good stumps really good too and there's more surface um and because on that board that i'm riding there's also a taper down the bite uh outline it still carves really good even though it's water um so for bindings i ride uh the now bindings and the model is the um it's actually the unink the yes collaboration with them um so it's a, it's kind of like a medium flex high back with like a strap that you can rotate depending if you want it a little bit uh, stiffer or not as stiff. So it's called a, it's like the select, but it's it's we got a graphic on it. Awesome. And I, I rip uh, I, I ride some rip curl outerwear and Zeal Optic goggles and shades and um, that's and then when I skate I ride some globe shoes. That's pretty much my setup. Awesome. With your board, do you take it rid of the plastic? You wax it? You detune it? I never detune any board ever. <laughs> the only time, actually, it's not true. When I, it's not true. When I did some rails, you know, a little bit, short time. Very short time. Um, but, I, yeah, then I will defile the tips and stuff. Defile? Defile. Uh, just because, like, people were doing it. <laughs> So why, why was your why was your rail why was your rail career so short? What's up? Um, well, it kind of stopped when I just tried to be all Scotty Whitlake and Whistler, and then I cut my edge on a wooden rail Ooh. and fell to the bottom, broke my wrist, and I was like, Scotty Whitlake. I was like, I don't, I don't know, Potter. Yeah, I live in Whistler. What am I doing? <laughs> trying to find a wooden rail? In Not a lot of rails Whistler? up in Whist. <laughs> and every wooden rail in Whistler has just been beat, <laughs> beat oh, for beat sure, down. Left. Yeah, and otherwise, I I pretty enjoy the Magda uh, backyard sessions they used to put together oh, yeah. in Bear Mountain with a pile of junk, and we just set up oh, some yeah. fridges to bunk. And like, those were really sick. That was junkyard super fun. Jam or yeah, the junkyard the jam. Yeah, thing. so I would ride a little short of fifty two and just have fun, you know, get into it. And I uh, I never got into the the big stuff like you have been doing, you know, and it's just mind bogging, you know. The it's DCP crazy. cliff is probably pretty mind-boggling for a lot of jibbers. I was thinking about so put, yeah, the process. The perception. Rail on top of that? I was thinking about bringing up a rail, like a little, and just doing a little board slide and just popping off the DCP. Little Kevin just like Jones, Jones shout out. Sorry, the Cadis, you know yeah. the, that that one movie when he did that. Yeah, that would be crazy one. You could go front blunt, front blunt four fifty, but you, then you, you just do like a front blunt like then you fourteen forty thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Then you do the next level. You go like, uh, you know. Blunt to radio out, radio oh, double, seven yeah. out. Andreas Wig, board. Yeah. Back. Okay, we're getting into the fucking weeds here. <laughs> we're really getting. <laughs> deep All right, let, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, last, last but not on. least, do you want to throw out any thank yous? Yes, um, definitely. Thank you guys for yes. having me here Twice. to this show. Twice. Thanks for being Twice. Being. <laughs> thank you both times. Thanks for being such a such a pleasant person about the second time. Uh, I would like to thank my wife, Megan, my, my family, Reef and Lily, my dog, Chicken. Those are my people. Chicken um, is a G. You know, my parents for providing me life and opportunities, my brothers and sisters, my friends, present, past, and beyond. Um, 
all of the people I snowboarded with and the sponsors that supported me over the years to help me with those experiences and and all of that. I'm so grateful for the whole community of snowboarding. Um, everybody that has taught me, uh, inspired me, uh, the people that uh, are still paving the way into snowboarding and, you know, the guys like you guys bring into life a podcast that, you know, outline the history of snowboarding and, and the, the newness in snowboarding. I really want to be thankful for all the filmers and photographers I worked with and, uh, you know, Raman and JP for Yes Snowboards to provide me for that opportunity, David Pitchy for running the show there as well as the Nadeker family. Um, I'd like to thank Guillaume Boachu and everybody else involved at, at um, CB Days. Um, you know, I'd like to thank um, the universe. Yes. You know, I'd like to thank um, the universe for providing me with another opportunity to do this. Um, it was, you know, and, and be healthy and recover. Um, and I would love to, to have another special thank you for everybody who has sending me healing vibes over the last five months, uh, any support and all the support. I'm so grateful and, um, very grateful for the, to myself for showing up and, um, yeah, keep showing up. And I'm very happy that, uh, Get that opportunity. Yeah. Woo. Wow. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure chatting. Yeah, uh, Dave. It was been great. I think you provided a ton thank of you. insight for everybody. And I want to say thank you so much. I want to say thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our Patreon members. Thank you to our community. You guys kick ass. And we will see you next week over and out from the bomb hole. <laughs>